What is up, freaks? It's your Uncle Marty coming to you live from my father-in-law's bedroom. Back here again for the holidays. Here to introduce a little holiday chop-up for you freaks. An end-of-the-year chop-up that Carr has put together. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you enjoy your holidays. Hope you enjoy your lives. Love all y'all. Peace and love. Okay. brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. Cash App so you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, and sell sets if you so please. Uh, sats are the standard on the app. Cash App makes it very easy to DCA in the sats. You can send it and forget it. Cash App can be your bank account. They offer account numbers and rallying numbers. They have their boost product, which allows you to get cash back and sats back every once in a while via the app. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. You can send the taproot scripts from uh, the Cash App now. Uh, they're pushing the way. Use the code stacking sats if you haven't <clears throat> downloaded the Cash App yet. You're going to get $10. $10 is going to go toward good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> This rip is also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to do many things for you. Well, one of my favorite things that they do is they help you with custody. Collaborative custodies are here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you have all your Bitcoin on an exchange, you're, that's a single point of failure. That exchange can get rug pulled. Therefore, you can get rug pulled if you have all your Bitcoin behind a single SIG wallet, that is a risk as well. If you lose that wallet, if you're using a hardware wallet or a paper wallet and the backup to that wallet, you are shit out of luck. So what a Unchained does and what they want you to do is to engage in a collaborative multi-SIG, a two or three multi-SIG, which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one. Uh, as long as you have your keys, you're, you can move your Bitcoin in and out of your vault as you so please. They're offering a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a collaborative custody vault set up uh, on their platform. Uh, you're going to have multiple video conference calls. They're going to get you hardware wallets. They're going to get you comfortable with multi-sig. They're going to get you set up and then they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into your vault once you're all set up. Again, eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. Try out the Unchained Vault. They've got IRA products. They've got lending products. They've got incredible content as well. Tell them the TFTC sent you for this collaborative custody vault uh, package and you're going to get $50 off. Go check out everything they have going on at Unchained. Dot com. This trip is also brought to you by our friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into the home mining game. All right. What you do, you go to compassmining.io and you buy an ASIC. They're going to send that ASIC to your house and then they have an at-home mining support team as well. It's going to communicate with you to tell you everything you need to do to get your house, your wherever you're plugging your mire in, ready to get it plugged in and have it hashing and getting that hash pointed at a, a mining pool that is then going to send you Excuse me, I just burped a little bit. Uh, your sats. Uh, so you can check this out. Compassmining.io. Buy an ASIC. I send it to you. They have a support team that's going to tell you everything you need to do to set it up. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, they have uh, the ability, if you want to take the risk of going with a hosting facility as well, you can buy the ASIC. They'll plug it at the hosting facility. They have an incredible content team. I know uh, Zach and Will are hopping on the mic tomorrow with Drew and AJ from Cathedra Bitcoin. So check that out. And it is currently December 16th. So on the 17th, they will be doing that. Uh, this trip is also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains is here to help you stack more sats with your hash. Their Brains OS Plus firmware is auto-tuning firmware that allows you to uh, you download this firmware on compatible uh, mining models. Uh, and it basically makes your machine more efficient and allows you to stack more sats with your hash. It takes your hash a bit longer. If you have a mining model that is compatible with Brains OS Plus and you're not using it, you're leaving sats on the table. Um, and if you want to uh, 
you are using Brains OS Plus, you want to track what's going on and look at the data and compare yourself to potential scenarios, you go to insights.brains.com, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Uh, it's an incredible mining dashboard. It's going to uh, teach you about profitability, difficulty, hash rate, mining pool stats, uh, per model, miner stats. It's a beautiful thing. Go check out everything they have going on. If you have a miner that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you're leaving stats on the table, make sure you download it and go check out everything at brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. This group is also brought to you by our good friends at HODL. HODL, HODL, HODL is here to bring you a peer-to-peer lending platform, right? Uh, lend.hodlhodl.com allows you to engage in peer-to-peer lending. Again, they're leveraging multi-sig. It's a two or three setup. You hold one key, your counterparty in the trade, trade holds another key, and HODL, HODL holds the third key. You put your Bitcoin up in that multi-sig two or three escrow uh, as collateral, and then you get stable coin liquidity as a result from your counterparty. Um, and then HODL, HODL acts as an arbiter there. So as long as you put your sats up, you get that stable coin, you go spend on what you want as long as you're paying <clears throat> that um, that interest back uh, plus your principal, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Alternatively, if you're a stable coin user and you want to get yield on that, you can enter the other side of this marketplace, but your stable coin's up for yield in the form of Bitcoiners looking for liquidity, paying you back what you put up plus interest. Go check all this out at lend.hodlhodl.com. Last but not least, this rib is brought to you by our good friends at uh, Bitcoin 2022. Bitcoin 2022 is happening in Miami, April 6th to the 9th, 6-9. Nice. Uh, it's going to be an incredible event. I'm going to be there speaking. We're doing a live RHR. Uh, it's going to be a massive party in Miami. Again, April 6th to 9th. You can go to b.tc slash conference to buy uh, tickets and register for the event. Uh, use the code TFTC. You're going to get 10% off. Um, and it helps out the podcast too. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, get on it. The ticket prices are only going to go up as uh, more and more sell. So enjoy this Rip Freaks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. We are live. Yeah, yeah. I told you we're live. Classic Marty. Yeah. Cheers, freaks. I'm, uh, I'm going sober this week. Uh, cheers. This is water. Going mezcal. It's a mezcal kind of year. I like that mezcal kind of. This is in a champagne bowl run for you. It's never really a champagne. It's more of a champagne is more complimentary. It's not really a base alcohol. It's more of a popping social kind of environment. Like I don't. I, I yeah. It's 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 different. Champagne will still be involved. We will still be popping bubbly uh, this bowl cycle. It's more experience than substance with the champagne. It hasn't really happened yet, but uh, we're we're getting we're we're every day we're getting closer to to moon culture. Yeah, how's uh, how's nature culture? I feel comfortable talking about this because you posted a picture on Twitter. Yeah, I'm in I'm in a cabin in the woods. There was, I was I was I had I have a there's a buck on the wall over there, but I couldn't. I'm in the loft, so you can't see it. But uh, it's great out here. It's good to be. Um, I don't know. 
I, I, I always, I always love it in the woods. It's, uh, it's truly peaceful and relaxing, uh, without all the bullshit. So, um, and it's really cool that I can just broadcast out to all of you freaks out there, um, from this cabin. I mean, I mean, if you look at 2021, like we just hit the ground fucking ripping. I, since the new year started, uh, I did a, like a live stream event with Bitcoin magazine. Um, I did Citadel Dispatch on Tuesday. Then today we ripped with Jack Maulers. I'm excited for the freaks to get that rip, which we're going to release tomorrow. Um, then I immediately jumped into the Casa Key Fest, and now I'm here now. So uh, uh, no sleep till 2022. Let's fucking go. First off, I want to say shout out to all the freaks in the live chat on YouTube. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, you guys really make these live episodes super fun. Um, the tour issue, uh, I, uh, this was a pretty crazy one. I mean, so, so the tour developers said, uh, I think the exact quote was something like someone's fetching, uh, information in a rude way, uh, mm -hmm. which caused a denial of service attack to me. I just assume attack. And I think like when you're talking about these adversarial networks, like you should assume attack, you shouldn't assume, um, that it was an unintentional bug or whatever. Uh, it, it definitely was an unintentional bug, but the, the exploitation of the bug could have been unintentional or intentional, right? And I think it was probably an attack. Um, I don't think it matters either way. You should just operate under the assumption of attack. But basically, uh, the result is the way Tor's trade-off model works is they basically operate under an assumption that the US government uh, will not outwardly go after them they have the protection of the U.S. government. They have the sanctity of the U.S. government um, that, that is basically giving them protection. So because of that, they're able to take some centralization on, um, at least in their trade-off balance. It makes it easier for them. So, so ultimately, with all these networks, when you're talking about distributed networks, the issue is uh, civil resistance, uh, denial of service resistance, right? This idea that you have like traffic that just, you know, just keeps hitting you and keeps hitting your nodes and it takes the whole network down. Um, with Bitcoin, we actually handle that in a distributed way because we don't assume that the US government will protect us, the strongest government in the world will protect us. Um, and and the, main, the main instrument there is the, is, the, is the fee market, right? And there's this idea that if you're pushing more bandwidth through the network, um, it's gonna come at an increased cost for you and ultimately you're gonna run out of money eventually, right? Um, the, with Tor, what they do is, is they have these centralized directory servers uh, because, because, like I said, you know, they've, been far, they've been funded by the Department of Defense in the past, and in general, the U.S. government tends to allow them to exist and protect them. Um, and those directory servers were what were getting attacked. So ultimately, what does that mean for a Tor user? It means that if you're using Tor's most recent address format, Tor v3, uh, you're going to have like a lot of reliability issues over this last week. Uh, and I still see these issues. I've been noticing these issues for Bitcoiners. What, what, where you, a lot of times where you see Tor V3 is when you're connecting back to your home node, right? So like I'm on the road right now. I'm trying to connect back to my lightning node or connect back to um, any kind of a, a node service, a, 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 blockchain, a blockchain explorer that I host, mempool.space that I host back, back home connecting it through Tor V3, you wouldn't be able to do that. It was hit or miss. And basically what happened was uh, the, 
the really scary aspect is that the, the sovereign Bitcoin Lightning Network pretty much relies on Tor V3 reliability. Yeah. Like this idea like that, that uh, like we need uptime. Like, like uh, if, if, you're, if you're running an independent Lightning routing node that's Tor only, your node was going on and off over this last week or so. And technically, there's funds risk possibility there, right? Like if a bad state gets gets sent, yeah, uh, tries to get sent on chain uh, while your your node is down. Yeah, doesn't seem good, but it, they they had a quick fix to it. Correct. Yeah, that's the worst part. The worst part to me, and and you know maybe it's me just confirming my biases. Um, I've talked on this podcast many times about my love, love, hate relationship with Tor, right? Yes. And, and I just don't think there, there's something to be said about culture of the community and the, and the developer community specifically. And it, it feels like they're just not adversarial enough, you know? And, and I, am I throwing, am I like, you know, I can't do what they do. So I'm not saying like, I don't appreciate them. I appreciate them tremendously. Um, but just the way like concerns were like kind of dismissed. I felt like it wasn't it, like, think about when there's, when there's a concern in Bitcoin, like how much concern there is, how much messaging there is, how much importance there is to communicating what the concerns are, what the issues and stuff. It was just kind of radio silence out of tour. Yeah. You know, out of, out of like the tour lead maintainers and stuff. So I was like, so to me, um, and maybe that's because the idea is from their perspective, tour downtime isn't the end of the world. You know, it'll be up again eventually. Like, don't rely on tour uptime. But for Bitcoiners, you know, I think a lot of people assume tour uptime. You can't, I think you just can't assume tour uptime. Yeah, it's interesting how Bitcoin and tour, we talked about this in the past, becoming more intertwined. Bitcoin dependent on tour for the privacy. Um, assurances that it's supposed to provide and then uh, Bitcoin potentially helping Tor by Bitcoiners realizing they need to leverage Tor and running more relay nodes or exit nodes. Uh, but I have talked to Bitcoiners, developers specifically in the past who, who think Tor is just one huge, and we've talked about this as well, one huge honeypot. And it's like instances like this where they just brush over it. Like, oh, no big deal. It's like, has the alarm bells going off. But we've talked about that in the past too. Like, even if you do assume that it is a CIA honeypot, you should have that assumption. It would have better than nothing at the end of the day. So let's go through just real quick. Let's just go through uh, like some of Matt shower thoughts this week. Um, so like, let's say it is an attack. Everybody, everybody take a second, close your eyes, deep breath in for a second. Driving in the car. Don't do it. Maybe even if you're driving, just picture Matt naked in the shower thinking this. Um, <laughs> So, so it happened, the attack started on January 6th or the bug started on January 6th, right? Which was the same time the whole, the, the capital incident happened in the U.S. Capitol and all the censorship events happened on the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only services that were affected was the new address format, right? So anyone using the V3 addresses were affected. The V2 addresses were not affected. The directory service for the, you know, for the V2 addresses was not affected. So the V3 addresses are improvements 
in all these different ways publicly for for why why we why as a as a community people on tour want to move to v3 addresses um maybe there is some kind of concern with v2 maybe there's some kind of undisclosed bug that the attacker knows about that allows them to locate de-anonymize do some kind of traffic analysis to v2 services and they're hoping that by continuously knocking down the v3s that some of these dark markets will will get will get anxious and and want the money that their revenue provides in the dark market and will switch to v2 right or or these censorship resistant platforms and they'll switch to v2 and then they hit them and yeah. i guess that would be that that to me would make sense is what this attack is right yeah just a herding of users to to a certain format the the freaks think you're a never nude person matt they also they're asking where the cabin is. I'm in between cabins. I'm just on a road trip. I'm just renting houses, by the way, guys. I rented the last cabin, then I'm renting this house, then I'm going to a cabin after this. The cabin life, baby. The emperors are naked and they're running around with their heads cut off. By Bitcoin. Uh, they are running around with their heads cut off. Obviously, I'm sure you freaks are aware of what's going on. Uh, let's just do a, a little rehash. The Tendy Army on our Wall Street Bets, a subreddit, uh, has targeted GameStop as a stock that they want to buy because a hedge fund, particular hedge fund, Melvin Capital, and others were short, net short, 140% of the overall stock uh, issuance. So uh, the Tendy Army saw that and saw an opportunity for a short squeeze arbitrage and a bunch of retail investors using Robinhood and other brokerage accounts bought a bunch of GameStop. I'm getting, are you listening yep, to me? Life? I got you. My fault. Um, and they took advantage of it and were successful for the first few days of this week. It got to a point where uh, the powers that be uh, did not like what was going on yesterday. CNBC was going crazy. Uh, everybody was talking about it yesterday. People were saying, oh, the, these inmates are running the asylum when somebody needs to step in. Um, and this morning, Robinhood and other brokerage firms um, basically said you can't buy the stock anymore. You can sell it. And in some instances, Robinhood just stepped in and sold uh, GameStop stock on behalf of their users without even asking. And it's insane, man. So let's jump into it. Uh, I'll, let's get your thoughts first because I have some theories. I'm like going all over the place right now. I'm so jacked up. I couldn't even write this morning, so I got to write the Ben after this. Um, well, first of all, apologies to the freaks for that little bit of echo there. That was on me. Um, I mean, yeah, this is a craziness. I didn't even know about um, the force sales. That's something else. But uh, You didn't know about that? No, I mean, I know they stopped people from selling, and it wasn't just Robin Stopped people from buying. I mean, yeah, they stopped people from buying. It wasn't just Robinhood. It was uh, also, I think, E-Trade and TD Ameritrade as well. Um, so all popular uh, brokerages for uh, like a general retail type of trader, um, like the average user. Uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, I, I think this is kind of part of our thesis in terms of uh, the, the Great Awakening, um, in terms of people need to get burned before they really realize you know, shit is wrong and they, they get motivated to try and improve their situation. Um, and it just happens to be on this like epic scale. It's there's, there's so many different facets here. Um, 
I don't know where to start, but there's so many different facets here from free markets to, to what is manipulation to decentralization um, to, to just the, this general concept that if you have, have these centralized third parties that are controlling um, any of these systems, they are ripe for abuse. They're gonna, there's going to be corruption there. They're going to they're gonna always abuse their power. That's just the human, it's the human spirit. That's the way the humans work. Um, and, and the only way we can avoid that is if we have systems and networks um, that are designed in a way that a few cannot change the system. Um, and, you know, Bitcoin is, is, is perfectly positioned in, in, in that ability. Um, even, even something like, I mean, this is, this is like what we've been speculating for the longest time in terms of self-custody bans or, uh, you know, freezing unregulated custodians, regulated exchanges. Like this is the playbook. The playbook is, is unfolded in front of our eyes and they didn't need any kind of new laws or anything to do it. It just, it just, there was a couple calls that were going on behind, you know, back doors and the powers that be just cut off the on-ramps. And in the case of Bitcoin, you can see them cutting off withdrawals at the same time. Yeah. So it, there's so much to this story. There's so much interconnectedness between Robin Hood, Citadel, uh, Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke, it, that we should really, we're, I think we're going to spend like an hour on this topic alone. So it's disgusting what's going on. Yesterday, everybody pearl clutching, CNBC, all the hedge fund managers like, oh, this isn't happening. This isn't fair. This is manipulation. Uh, when Melen- Melvin Capital, excuse me, itself was arguably manipulating GameStop's stock down towards zero. Uh, again, the retail investor stood up, saw this opportunity it's in the open. It's within the rules of the regulations set forth, and they took advantage of it and were extremely successful. And this scared the shit out of the powers that be. So I think, I don't think this is like censorship. It certainly is censorship. It's not a censorship issue. I think what the Tendi army from Wall Street Bets was doing was pulling forward a systemic collapse to the present day because Citadel is, has their hand in this. So they're loaning funds to Melvin Capital to take the short position. And so if Melvin goes bust on that particular position, uh, Citadel is affected negatively. And if you freaks remember, back in September of 2009, when we had the uh, overnight repo market spasm, when uh, there was a liquidity crunch in the overnight lending markets for banks and primary dealers, that was incited by a, a months-long transition out of cash and into treasury bonds by J.P. Morgan. Uh, so J.P. Morgan went from cash to treasury bonds. And that cash otherwise would have been lended out to these hedge funds to cover their margin trading. So when JP Morgan pulled that liquidity out of the market and went into bonds, the liquidity for uh, margin lending dried up and you had that overnight repo spasm where the rates spiked to, to like 14% or something like that, which is astronomical in those markets, particularly, especially considering the interest rate environment we've been in. And what we came to find after months and months and months, what happened was that the overnight repo bailout was very swift. It happened in the course of the, like 12 hours, I believe. And what the Fed did is they expanded the, the amount of primary dealers that could access its uh, window. And so like usually it's just typically banks and some other clearinghouses and stuff like that. And they added the FICC uh, to the list of primary dealers that could 
access the Fed window, started pumping liquidity into the FICC. But the FICC was essentially a proxy for the Fed to fund the margin positions of Citadel, Point72, and Millennium, particularly, who, who weren't able to access the liquidity from JP Morgan anymore. And so what we had happen was the Fed basically bailed out two hedge funds, three hedge funds, two of which are in very heavily involved in what's going on right now this week. And so we know from that instance alone, like it, it came out, that is what happened. The Fed had to bail out these hedge funds in 2019. Um, moving forward uh, to this week, I think the Tendi Army and their GameStop short squeeze is a black swan to Citadel and Point72 specifically too. Again, lending to Melvin Capital. And it's something that, that highlights and again, pulled forward the systemic collapse of Citadel which is a, a very important systemic business in the hedge fund world and, and, and um, the banking system, or not the banking system, but just in the hedge fund world. And so basically, I believe that, so like, this, this is like the crazy thing. Like again, Robinhood didn't stop. <laughs> they, just, they, uh, <laughs> they just won't allow you to buy the stock so you can't go up and they're selling it. Fucking scam. They're selling it automatically to drive the price down to get it closer to the short position so these hedge funds don't go bust. Like the way the fashion and the abruptness of everything that's going on right now leads me to believe that there would have been a systemic collapse if this stuff didn't happen. Freaks, we got 183 of you um, right now in the live chat. Um, we have 12 retweets on Twitter. So if, if, if you want to support the show, the single most important thing you can do for the show is retweet our live stream on Twitter. Uh, we, we would appreciate that. That, that is a, it's a big deal for us. Yeah, we get, we get a lot of dopamine hits when we get the retweets. So make sure you, make sure you smash Thank them. you, freaks. And if you know me well, you know, it's hard for me to say that, but uh, that's the single request I will make. Everybody's on Clubhouse, dude. Podcasting's dead. No, they're not on. They're not on fucking Clubhouse. They're here with us. I'm looking. I'm not looking at the live chat right now. Um, but if I were, I would request for them to to give us a retweet on Twitter, guys, or at least give us a sad squeeze in the comments. You know, give us a little sad squeeze. Let's go. Yeah. Go. Go market yeah. by. All right, people are people are retweeting. It works. It works. Thank you, freaks. I love all y'all. Thank you, freaks. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. I mean. Appreciate you, freaks. I mean, thank, thank you. Well, Marty you. should be thanking me. I should be thanking the freaks. That's this is how the it should be a. We move along the. It's a little. Uh, what do you call it? A. Uh, it's order it's, of operations. Right. right. It's it's math. Yeah. Science. Pemdas. Pemdas. <laughs> There's an order of operations to these things. That's what I'm trying to tell. <laughs> Thank you. I love Thank you, Marty. I've been trying to say this for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Castle Island, our boy Nick Carter and Matthew Walsh, our boys Nick Carter, Matthew Walsh, 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 uh, raised the second fund, Castle Island Ventures Two, fifty million dollars. This news doesn't really matter, but there are boys, yeah. so it's dope. Matthew Walsh helped me break the micro strategy uh, news. It's good to see Castle Island getting some money. I mean, I, I they're they're like the the signal in venture capital, right? Yeah. Like there's no there's no real venture capitalists in in Bitcoin that that are actually targeting Bitcoin focused companies like they are. 
in my opinion. Agreed. Everyone else is too. They're getting like tokens and blockchain and all that fucking bullshit. Yeah, dude, you see that NFT? You're gonna get your uh, hash mask or whatever it's called. What the fuck? Is, like all these NFT shits? It's all noise freaks. It's all bullshit. Uh, like just like everybody's like, oh no, like you want that digital scarcity? You're gonna want to have like no. Like, the standards are dumb. The standard for non fungible tokens are Sats. That's why you need to use CoinJoin. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you want like to own? Would you spend a hundred thousand dollars for a JPEG? No. Why would you ever do that? That's stupid. Why would you ever do that? That's some oh, money. They're not JPEGs. They're unique, like hash certified. Like it's a fucking JPEG at the end of the day. It's some. It's some poor man's logic is what's going on there. Like that's yeah. some like ridiculous fucking shit. That's how you end up shilling shit coins for like five hundred thousand sats. Like that. Right. That's how you end up in that hole. It, I mean, honestly, like I, I like to think that I uh, approach things with intellectual curiosity and, and like earnestness, like earnestly, it doesn't make any sense. Like I would never, ever spend a hundred grand on a, on a fucking digital NFT, like a, a digital JPEG. It doesn't make, I mean, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I'm missing something. That's honestly, that's earnestly how I feel. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. You... That it's a really bold claim from Marty Bent that he would not spend a hundred thousand dollars on an absolute piece of shit coin. Right. Really bold. I'm I'm glad you put your name on that one. Well, they'll gaslight you, man. It'd be like a chew, a chew on the artist. It's gonna revolutionize. It's gonna do all this. It's gonna do that. It's a new wave of art. It's like, is it? Is the is the current wave of art even good? Is the current wave of art even worth it? Like, no, no. I respect so. our Bitcoin artists. And I, I'll buy their art. Yeah, like crypto graffiti making like the the Silk Road stuff and like the, the like dollar, like cutting up the dollar and making like paper mache art. Oh, and not, then like there maybe that. maybe there's something there if if my certificate of authenticity is tied into the Bitcoin blockchain oh. instead of you know like like I get the physical art. Like you actually give, I want physical I like art. Physical art. I don't get the JPEG right? art. Wait, no, no. So I'm saying I have the physical art. And then it's also tied into the to the. You can't tie the physical to. You can't tie meat space to a blockchain though. It's just impossible. Well, no, you could because no, you, you could can't. have because somebody could come and say, Matt, ooh, I took your physical art. You may own it on the blockchain, but I actually possess it. You no, don't. no. So, so you could t- you could take a picture of of the of of the art, and you can hash it into the Bitcoin blockchain. And you, yeah, can you can enjoy it. that picture all you want. Oh, no, no, no. You can present gang. it. You can present it as a certificate of authenticity for the art that is bought in physical form. And as long, like, it's still physical art, though. Yeah. Right? Somebody like, steals that is, physical art and you own it on the blockchain. Like, it, you owning it on the blockchain doesn't mean dick. Like, okay. But I'm just saying. But regardless, either way, uh, art is a horrible store of value. And I love all my artists, but like, it's gonna it's trending to zero when Chrysan sets. Like with everything else. Like you're also in the same boat as the owner of the Chrysler building. I'm not saying that sure. uh you're in a different situation there. Like that's the case. Like you're still in the same situation as Elon, who the majority of his wealth is in Tesla stock. Seems so all trending to zero in terms of Bitcoin. That sucks for Elon though. He can't like liquidate that without inciting a, a mass uh collapse of that stock. Sort of stuck in that, right? Till it gets priced in sats. Maybe it should get priced in sats. 
Um, I added this, these to the list. We'll just lightly touch on them. Uh, Janet Yellen, my bitch lover. Uh, she she made some. <laughs> because you put the gif i put this this line in our telegram chat oh my god it's so good kissing her yeah Uh, i did the i did the marty kissing uh yelling gif i'm thinking of uh what's his name uh from wedding crashers the brother your owl is your owl is saying that 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 yelling was hot he's attracted to her she could have been back in the day is that ages maybe do we have a young yelling photo look it up freaks that's kind of creepy BlackRock, again, we mentioned it uh, in the beginning a bit. Uh, they announced that they're dabbling in Bitcoin. Uh, it said cryptocurrency a lot. What, what are you knowing for? Talk about yes. buying Bitcoin until they have a position, right? And he was like, he begrudgingly had to answer that question on air live because he was asked that question. But if you, you know, that's why they're just dabbling. You know, this wasn't a formal announcement. This is, this is him you know, getting put on the spot when really he doesn't want to talk about the fact that they're short Bitcoin and just realizing. Yeah. But the people at BlackRock, that's smart. Like the dude kept saying storehouse of value. I've never heard that term. I'm like, why are you saying storehouse? It was triggering me. <laughs> it was like... I also was triggered Is it just that. me or did that annoy anybody else? I was also triggered by that. Yep. Yeah. The storehouse of value. It's like, dude, you're working that block. Let's get your economic terms down, down pat here. Never heard storehouse of value. Well, what yeah. I was thinking, what, what I thought of was, remember uh, when Backed launched, they kept saying, like, your Bitcoin will be held in full custody at the Backed warehouse? Yeah. So I was thinking maybe in his head, he was, like, mixing the two together, like, store value and warehouse and storehouse, but I don't know. Yeah. It was very, was like, bro, come on. Yeah. So BlackRock forced to mention about it like it is funny cnbc it's they ride the hype cycle as well but we have come a long way from brian kelly uh specific shit coin and nautilus coin and, and telling God. people to buy ripple at the top uh they seem to have stayed away from the the altcoin space at least up to this point in this particular run and, and focused on bitcoin uh joe cool. kernan and aaron ross sorkin were were actually like in a conversation talking about crypto they said oh wait a big crypto um, which was that's what I started the dispatch with that clip. Yeah, um, you know what's yeah. an interesting thing about it is, is like so Joe Kernan is one of us. Like he he has a bag of Bitcoin and like everything divided by twenty one million. It's so good. Dropped it. And like historically, we've always said, you know, when you own Bitcoin, you have an incentive to talk about it, improve it, chill it, right? So I expect financial journalists. Um, these anchors and stuff that have Bitcoin, they want to talk about it a lot. And that's what we saw with Brian Kelly last cycle, right? He had all the shit coins. So he was trying to dump them on retail. So he wanted to talk about them a lot. What's really cool to see is Salty No Corner Sorkin, uh, his co-anchor, who has to bring it up all the time. And because his, his like editors or whatever, his producers are telling him he has to bring it up. And he is so deflated. He is so deflated just watching Bitcoin go up. He looks destroyed inside. And yet he still needs to ask the question. He's visibly physically triggered. Like when he has to like bring it up, he's like squirming. And like his, his voice changes a little bit. We're talking about Aaron, voice changes. How about your boy? Fortnite. Which one? Have a Portnoy's <laughs> video. Dave, Dave, you gotta bump it up, bump it up, bump it up. 
You gotta pump it up, pump it up, pump it up. Dave, I know you probably don't like me. But I don't want to, like, I, I would not want to see the success that you've achieved in life be diminished because you miss out because you're short Bitcoin. Just get it, bro. I know you may, I know you probably don't like me, but <laughs> this is advice coming from the heart, not trying to troll. I told you to get in, bitch. We're going to the moon back in October. Listen, then be okay right now. Okay. I t- told him the dollar cost say, average and all this. I'm going to step in here. He, yeah. uh, you know, I still blame the Winklevoss twins. cost average back in 2017. Yeah, the, Win- the Winklevoss twins fucked him over. And that's what they always do. You know, this is the problem with the space, right? It's like, they know Bitcoin is designed to pump forever. They know Bitcoin's the future money. They know Bitcoin's the best money we've ever had. They own a shit ton of fucking Bitcoin. But their exchange is based off of shitcoin trading. They make a ton of money off of it. So God forbid they ever talk about the real thing. And they just, they always need to pump their fucking bags. And it happens every fucking time. The crazy thing about this Portnoy thing was he literally said, I'm never going to buy Bitcoin, which is usually the last step right before you, you end up capitulating and buying Bitcoin. We capitulated this morning. Did you see that? Did he buy some? Well, he said he's getting it. Like he's not going to be swabbing the decks uh, <laughs> like on the pirate ship because Bitcoiners are getting so rich. Like he doesn't want to be the peasant swabbing the deck. So he's got, got to get some skin in the game. Got him. Very volatile, Dave. Your, your decisions around Bitcoin, just stick to it. I told you this in 2017, just buy a little bit on a consistent basis and forget about it. Just forget about it. Like he was, uh, I saw he did a video this morning. Is, is that, uh, what's the Wall Street Bets guy's name? Yeah, I responded to that one. Uh, Peak fucking value, is that his name? Yeah, but that's not his account. His account is. Uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to get to is. Trying Warren to like, Kitty. Roaring Kitty, that's who it is. Are they trying to bring legal action against that guy? Yeah, because securities violations. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, Dave was alluding to, to that fact and saying oh that he, he would lead a revolution in the streets against the suits uh, if Roaring Kitty was to be arrested and thrown in jail. Dave, Bitcoin is the revolution. This is how we fight back against the suits most aggressively and, and most potently. Uh, it's probably uh, a more accurate descriptor of Bitcoin's um, as a tool against potent. So, I mean, I tweeted at him in all caps in response to that tweet, Bitcoin is the revolution, join us. And like 15 minutes later, he joined us. So um, caps work, people, caps Cred- work. Credit goes to you. Credit goes to Caps Odell here. Caps Odell, change your minds. <laughs> no, credit sure go to all the... Too- <laughs> Credits go to all the all the all the plebs who've just been telling them to have fun, stay poor for like the last eight months. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we got to give a shout out to. Uh, I want to make sure I get his name right, but like that that pump it up montage from yesterday just got me all hyped up. <laughs> Actually, uh, listening to it, my son pump it up is now my son's favorite. We were dancing to it yesterday. Like I, he just heard me playing it in the background, and he just like naturally started dancing. Pump it up. You gotta pump it up. Pump it up. It's high vibes. And then like the memes thrown on top of it. So Dr. Bitcoin MD at DR Bitcoin MD Twitter. Incredible, incredible montage to the pump it up song. Legit gets me pumped up. Um, but should we be staying humble here, man? Like are we 
we we hit we're like at all time highs and we're we're just losing all of our humility here. The thing is, is like, like I've been trying to to distill my feeling, but they why? How can you be? How can you be humble in all caps at the same time? And I'm not trying to grandstand and say I'm humble because I've always said that one of the reasons I, I, I've said stay humble over and over again is, is to remind myself. It's a thought experiment, you know, every day. Stay humble. Stay it's humble, it's stay the humble. Alexander the Great. You were only a man. You were only a man. It's the Alexander right. the Great, like having somebody walk behind him. Right? Except there's a humility to seeing this massive wave coming ahead of you. I posted like the interstellar clip today, right? Like this, you have this massive wave yeah. coming at you and the humble move is to like, let it flow through you, you know, and, 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 and express the urgency to people, you know, all caps, you know, there, there's urgency here. This thing is coming. We have never been in this situation before ever in terms of both Bitcoin and just humanity. Like I have, these guys are different than last cycles, whales. These guys are billionaires, large corporations, and they have to telegraph every move they do way ahead of time. They have to, they have to get front run by design. So, so there's all this messaging out there, in, also in combination of the fact that we see Bitcoin often repeat you know, relatively similar to previous cycles. So you have the combination of the two, and you're sitting in this position right now. And I just... Trying to help people get on the lifeboat. I can't... Exactly, exactly. And I feel like the humble move is, 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 is to concisely say that to people and say it loud uh, now until, instead of afterwards, you know, like to, to, to just, and, and look, lowercase Odell's been here for fucking years now. Okay. I, I feel like I've reached everyone that the lower cases were going to reach. So now you got to say clearly for the people in the back. I think that's admirable. I don't think there's any. I don't think it shows a lack of humility. It shows a lack of compassion, if anything. Or excuse me, a, a, a sense of compassion, not a lack of it. Arguably, you have more compassion than most people because you're trying to get people onto the lifeboat. So I commend you for your efforts, Matthew. And I commend you for starting a movement, an all-caps movement. You're pulling me in too. I didn't want to like rip off your shtick, but like it's hard not to when, when things are going on like this. It's not a shtick. It's a... Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. I was gonna say that. I was like, nah, it's not really a lifestyle. It's a feeling. It's mostly a feeling that I feel inside all the time right now. Like, uh, I mean, I, I had a, I, I'm not gonna blow up our spot, but like, I had a conversation with you yesterday. Like, you're feeling the feeling too. But pe- tons of people yeah. in the space. Anyone who's been paying attention feels this feeling right now. And that's why that's why other people have started going caps because we all, you know, we all feel it. I mean. There are people that have worked in this industry for five years or whatever that still don't fucking get it. And we're going to front run all those people. But there's a large portion of us, a lot of the freaks, especially, that are sitting here and they're like, oh, my God. Like, you know exactly what's going Like, I've never had more FOMO than I have right now. Yeah. No, I mean, like we talked on the phone yesterday. No, I was saying, like, your comment towards the end of last year, like, like, set like a, a sats goal for for a yearly salary and try and hit it and like looking like doing my daily weekly purchases and seeing how little bitcoin you're getting for it compared to this time last year it's like holy crap I need to turn it up gotta pump it up um yeah no it, it comes quick 
we're in the, the bear markets. It's like, ah, oh, I can't wait for it to pump. And then the pump starts. It's like, holy shit, I need more. You never have enough sets. You never have sets. March, you to sleep at night. March feels like a fucking decade ago. <laughs> Not even a year ago yet. There were people that sold in fucking March. There were people that got liquidated in March. There were people that rage quit in March. And we're sitting over 10x from them. You know, Almost when 20x, do we... really close to 20x. You know what the crazy thing is? We're closer to 100k than we are to zero. I saw Joe Rogers tweet that out yesterday or the day before, and I was like, whoa. Big facts. Crazy. Big facts. Big facts. What about, what about censorship-resistant signal with payments? It's so much more than that, though. It's a podcast player. You can't play podcast and, and signal. I mean, you can, send a, you can send an MP3 and signal. It's true. It's true. Actually, this is a good debate here, too. Is Paul and I were talking about it this morning. A lot of freaks being like, why do we do this? Why? Like, there's other free privacy apps out there. They're not really free, right? Like, Signal depends on donations. They just started accepting Bitcoin donations. I'm sure you have that on the list somewhere. Cross it off the list. You cross it off the list? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, it's it on is. the list, but it now we've, we've covered yeah. it. So they have to monetize you, like hoping people donate. Um, and then Telegram, big article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Like they, they're in a shit ton of debt. If you don't remember, they did an ICO, like a TON token that had to shut down because the SEC they refunded was like, the full token. Yeah. Um, now they're going to investors like Jared Leto uh, and they have to go like raise a bunch of debt I believe between but they one, already raised um, from Leto. Let, Leto or Leto? Yeah. Leto. The thing Jared is, Derove, Dur- Telegram's weird because they just never, they just haven't implemented a business model yet. There is no business model. Well, did you, did you read point, the Wall Street Journal article? No, I kind of. Like I saw, I they saw. Insert ads in public channels and then have no, Apple no, no. And okay. Google so, first moderate. of all, first of all, I have a love hate relationship with Telegram. Okay. Um, I think it's a really fantastic app and, and, and he, but it's obviously centralized, right? And it's, and the encryption is questionable on the secret chats and they don't have encryption by default. Um, all that said, it's a very interesting situation he finds himself in because he made a lot of money. Durov made a lot of money on Russian Facebook, right? And the Russian version of Facebook, and then got into a fight with Putin um, and was forced to sell his shares. And then when he left Russia, he created Telegram, which is why, like, uh, one of my favorite theories, my favorite pet theories is that was just all a manufactured uh, fight between him and Putin. And really, it's just a, it's a Russian state operation. But anyway, that's besides the point. Up until this point, they've never implemented a business model, right? But they have all of these public channels, like we said earlier, like CryptoQuant and stuff, where they have hundreds of thousands of, of, of viewers, right? Of, of, of viewers of that of those channels. And Durov has explicitly said multiple times that he doesn't want to do like what Facebook does and like troll people's messages and give them targeted ads. He doesn't want to monetize user attention and monetize user information. So what their path to monetization is, is he wants to give those public channel creators, right? No, if you, if you look at some of these public channels, they serve ads in the as a post, they'll do like a sponsored post that pops up in the feed, in the middle of the feed. And they'll say this, you know, use our sponsor here. 
DeRoe, he wants to include it. He wants to build it in and then take a cut so that any of those channels can add in ads if they want to, and then he takes a cut, which is a different business model than something like a Facebook chat or like a Google. Yeah, you're still adding ads a lot of times. But it's optional, and it's the creator that's deciding. Yeah. It's like what YouTube does right here. And, and, but obviously, YouTube does way more tracking than, than Darab says he's going to do. Yeah. yeah. If you're on YouTube, smash that subscribe button. Like, we need to get. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, big week, Matt. Big week. 200K by a conference today. Are we going to make it? Well, I don't know about that anymore, huh? <laughs> hey, what uh, happened? Yeah. You know, it, it, it would be a really fun two weeks if that fucking happens, right? That would be. Is uh, is Bitcoin twenty twenty one pivoting to a just a huge struggle session? All right, I know you're behind the scenes. Are they going to have like huge circular chairs where everybody can sit down and talk to each other? I hey. saw your tweet. Oh, you and Crypto Graffiti going back and forth on that. Yeah, and by the way, freaks, I may uh, may sneak into this wave every once in a while. I made the mistake of wearing a green shirt with the green screen. So, um, I mean, I don't think. You know, I, Bitcoin Twitter is, you know, a, a global support group. It is a good way of putting it in general. But uh, I mean, look at look at what happened. I mean, Bitcoin went down like 10K in like a matter of hours and then went back up 10K. And it felt like we went from panic to FOMO, like within four hours or five hours. Like people have FOMO right now. I mean, I've had FO- I have FOMO the whole fucking time, but... People have have FOMO right now, like pretty hard, it seems. Um, so, I mean, even if we're at like a humble, you know, 80K or like 90K by conference day, I think like vibes will be high. Yeah, I agree. Especially I mean, if we win the Indy 500. If we win the Indy 500 card number 21, like sky's the limit. Sunday Memorial Day. Put on the Indy 500 and the lacrosse. Uh, actually, the final four will be over on Saturday. So there'll okay. be a lacrosse off day on Sunday. Good day to watch the 500. I will happily admit that I was wrong about 200K by conference day when conference day happens. But I want the record to show that Tina was being too bearish. I, I, I will not, I will not uh, apologize for that. Uh, are we going to force everybody to, to spot buy Bitcoin on stage this year? I mean, we won't force everyone, but we'll peer pressure and encourage them to do it, of course. Okay. Okay. Uh, freaks, we will be, I don't think we've announced it, but, uh, we're going to be doing live RHR at the conference on the second day. That's Saturday at noon during lunchtime. We have a 90 minute slot. Um, and we got like a great fucking setup. So it's going to be really fucking fun. And we hope to see as many of you there as possible. I mean, I think it's going to be like 11,000 people there. So, you know, I, I imagine we're going to have thousands of freaks in attendance and I'm pretty <laughs> excited for it. Damn. Pressure's on, Matt. Uh, we had a, are we going to have guests on stage? We're going to go. Just I me. think I like I like that we always do that for the conferences that we do. I do too. Uh, like we'll have we'll have two or three guests on. I think two is the sweet spot. We'll probably do two guests. Um, I guess Bitblock Boom. Yeah, we had, we had two up there. No, I think we went up to three. We had we had Justin and Pierre, we had Vanju came up right. Yeah, uh, Pierre and Michael weren't there this year. Right. Right. We had Justin and Vanjoo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those two. Yeah, I like I like two as a as a target. Yeah, I love the live shows. They're always fun. So freaks, if you show up, 
You might be one of the two. You never know. The Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Marty, we have some person, uh, freak in the chat that says, uh, your, your shirt is horrible. So he just wants you to know that he doesn't like your shirt. If you want, I can just keep talking to freaks if you want to run and change your shirt real quick. Do you want me to just take it off? Free? It's up to you. It's... I'm not going to go full the rose. I'm going to go get a new shirt. But I think uh, while we're at that, there's a freak in the comments who has a good, um, good public service announcement for the Bitcoin 2021 around Wi-Fi. Maybe talk about best OPSEC practices with your technology. Oh, good idea. Yeah. So we have Sam Bradbury in the comments that wants us to remind plebs to be wary of the Wi-Fi at the conference. Um, the Bitcoin conference will be a hotspot for scammers trying to skim your data, logins, etc. Put your phone in a Faraday cage. Now, uh, you know, not bringing a phone is obviously the most secure situation there. Um, there's a lot of thought being put into the Wi-Fi, uh, and there will be extensive Wi-Fi throughout the premise for free, provided to all users. Uh, you know, you're better off using cell data if you're going to use anything. But regardless, either way, you should be running a VPN on your phone. Consider Molvad.net. I do like it the best. Um, consider Calyx OS for your phone, uh, just in general, completely unrelated to the conference. But I think, you know, conference things, it's, it's, it's a sensitive topic, right? You're going to have 12,000 people there. It's going to be a Bitcoin event. Um, you know, don't put yourself in vulnerable situations. Don't travel with Bitcoin, you know, by all means, bring some, you know, spending cash on a mobile phone, you know, on Moon Wallet or something so that so that you can pay people in Bitcoin for different things around the event. But you shouldn't be traveling with your cold storage or any kind of significant amounts. Um, just in general, you just shouldn't be traveling with sensitive information when you go through TSA or border, um, especially for the international freaks that'll be coming. You basically have no rights at that point. And they can just take anything you have on you and just try and get into it. So think about with your computer, think about your phones. Um, yeah. And just in general, you, you know, you, you definitely don't want to use an open Wi-Fi hotspot without a VPN. This is bad practice. Yeah. Um, don't have your mobile wallets loaded. You're coming. Just assume like you're going to get hacked. Go to the conference assuming that you're going to be hacked. That's, I think that's the best way to put it. That's what I'm saying. Like if you have if you have a million sats, if you have a million sats on a mobile wallet, so you can buy like swag and shit. Uh you know, maybe like buy a beer for someone with lightning. What's the worst that could happen? You you lose the four hundred dollars. And at this rate, you know, it'll only be worth two hundred dollars by the conference day. So twenty uh, <laughs> K by conference. Ticket, like, uh Muggers, muggers throughout Miami disappointed by a recent Bitcoin crash. <laughs> Maybe it is good. Maybe it is good. Price could dump even further. People won't want to mess with us because we're too poor. Congrats, congrats on a thousand, Marty. Thank you. Um, this one is an interesting one. I didn't, I didn't mean to get. Uh, I didn't intend to get you know, a little mushy with issue number one thousand, but uh, it went that way, and I, I've actually been very. Um, uh, overwhelmed, I guess is the word to say with the response. A lot of people on Twitter and emailing back directly. Thank you, freaks. I love you all. I hope uh, the inception story of Marty's bent um, 
help some of you. It's, that's one of the things. I got a lot of emails like, hey, I'm in a similar spot. I'm happy that you uh, articulated that. Can so you give us, can you give the freaks some context on uh, how you weren't able to get a, a collar or a harness on a French bulldog? This was ultra embarrassing. So it was like one of those Uber dog work walking services. I had to go to a WeWork in Dumbo. Uh, is it like WAG or something? I think it was WAG. And you had to get a, uh, you had to get basically certified that you can put leash on different types of dogs. And I got to the French bulldog harness. This is ultra embarrassing because my sister and brother-in-law have a French bulldog that we've dog watched many times in the past for weeks on end. And I just sort of freaked out. It wasn't a live dog. They usually like walk into it. And uh, yeah, I put it on backwards apparently and uh, didn't get the dog walking job. So it was, uh, it was the lowest point of my life, Matt, you know, walking out of that WeWork, being like, holy shit, I can't even get a dog walking job. I don't. So what, like it was like their certification center or something? Yeah. And it was like some 21-year-old hipster. And they had like all these fake dogs of different sizes and different harnesses and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I failed. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Funny. Well, thank you for sharing it with, with me and the freaks. Well, thank you guys for reading. That's why I keep coming back. Thousand issues down, many more to come. Hopefully. Definitely. How's your week going, sir? You know, those harnesses are, they're kind of a bit, like I, I have two dogs and they both have harnesses. They're kind of a bitch to put on, especially you can get confused if you have a clip in the wrong place and stuff. Yeah, it's not. Like it seems a little bit unfair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm already in sunny Florida and I'm super excited for Miami next week. Uh, you're already in sunny Florida. Oh, lucky you. I'm in my flight up a day. I'm going to be arriving on Wednesday now. But before that, it's Memorial Day weekend at the Jersey Shore, brother. You got out of town too early. Vibes are high down here. Well, Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to be spending in Indianapolis. Oh, watching, the, watching us win that race. So you're down to Florida, up to Indy, back to Florida? <laughs> Couldn't help myself. God bless you. Are you like in the box? Yeah. Boss. You know, when Jack invites you, you have no choice. You just got to put down everything and make it happen. You got to go. You got to go. You think we're we, gonna... gotta, we need all the freaks to pressure the Bitcoin exchanges. The only one so far that has contributed any funds to the Bitcoin IndyCar um, is, is uh, Sam from uh, FTX. The shitcoiner beating you to it. I mean, he's, you know, he always puts up. Right. got to give him that. Did he wind up going uh, on consensus last night with Tom Brady? Or would that be tonight? I don't know. I, do, I didn't watch any of consensus. I know you were on it. You didn't watch my panel, Matt? No, but you got quoted everywhere. That was fun. Well, when we did when we did the live barge on Miami, we knew we knew the big news and we kept it to ourselves. And we couldn't talk about it. I mean, we told the freaks to stack, but that's as much as we could say. Yeah, that's all we could say. It was worthwhile. Hey, it was good stacking advice. I think we're higher than where we were on Saturday when we recorded. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, the freaks know I'm always bullish, right? But this is the single biggest news item, the single biggest historical event that has happened on a macro level to Bitcoin ever in the history of Bitcoin, right? 
outside of Satoshi leaving, yes. I would I would like outside of the Bitcoin network itself, somebody adopting it, number one. I mean like external of the external of the protocol. It is like the biggest thing since Satoshi left, in my opinion. We'll get into it. But before we get into it, should we reminisce about last weekend? What's the You be- went all caps on the tweet? I did. I did. You're feeling it. I was. I mean, this is a lot of important things to talk about. We're going to talk about the volcano in the background here. Is that the actual volcano or is that just a stock picture? It's a volcano in El Salvador. It, I'm not sure if it's the volcano where they're doing the uh, geothermal energy. This is a. Uh, but it is located in El Salvador. Yes, I believe this is the volcano in Santa Ana or something like that. Santa Ana. What's the uh, Bitcoin Magazine team saying after, after the conference? Dude, vibes are high. Vibes are high. I mean, a lot of lessons can be learned, but I think overall, um, it was just a really fantastic, I would call a festival, I think it was like more of a music festival than anything else. Agreed. Um, but look, it was amazing seeing so many freaks there. I mean, for the live show, we but my guess was like 400 to 500 people were watching us live in person. Um, I must have hugged like 2,000 freaks over the course of the week. Oh. Um, to me, it was a massive yeah. success, right? Wouldn't you agree, Marty? I think it was a massive success. I had a lot of fun. I always enjoy meeting you freaks in person. Overwhelming. There's a lot of you freaks out there. Freak Nation is strong, as we've been saying since we left Miami. It is extremely warms my heart meeting you guys in, in person um, and that our content has affected people or resonates with people the way it does. It's really mind-blowing to think of this just starting as, I don't want to say joke, but as I got forced into the podcast, I forced you in for rabbit hole recap and seeing what I would say you more seduced me, but if if you want to use that verbiage, you can as well. Yeah, seduced is better than forced. There's a bit of a a rapey vibe. There was consent. (laughs) There was consent. There was. Thank you for clarifying that. I've just been holding Matt hostage for two years now. (laughs) <laughs> have somebody who sits behind the computer with a gun pointed at him and says, all right. So I got the Moscow time behind me. I'm- <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great event. Great satellite events. Vibes were high. Miami traffic was terrible. Um, but other than that, it was pretty, pretty incredible. I will be incessant and repetitive that the most profound thing of the whole week to me was Ross's uh, interview, Ross Ulbricht's interview. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have to free Ross. We have to stand together as Bitcoiners. And uh, if you haven't gone and listened to it, um, you really need, you really need to go listen to it. Uh, Every every single, every single freak should, every single person, but every single freak needs to go listen to that interview. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's on YouTube. He sacrificed himself to get that message out there. He got thrown into solitary confinement, which he talked about during the voicemail. So it seems that the, yeah. Uh, well, no, they, so as punishment, first they gave approval to do the interview and they said it had to be with the journalist. And then um, they cut him off from communication for like five days and we thought it wasn't going to happen. And then it, it happened. They like allowed him to contact uh, Peter Chihuahua a Bitcoin magazine uh, who did the interview. And then it appears afterwards as punishment for the live interview going out. Uh, they, they threw him back into solitary and uh, it was really fucked up because we didn't know, like 
we didn't want to talk about it at the conference because we thought maybe he'd get punished more. But I guess for better or worse, uh, Lynn Ulbricht, his mom, decided that it was important that it, it became public. So I saw that she tweeted it out. So I feel comfortable talking about it now that she tweeted it out. But that's why it was played a second time at the end of the conference um, on the second day was because we, we had found out while we were there. I mean, me Lynn told me personally, and it just was fucking, this is brutal, man. Yeah, just, there's no heart there. None. No, no, no. Go listen to me getting real. I mean, I can't do it justice, but combination of, holy shit, I can't believe this guy's in jail considering the facts that he's laying out about his particular case and how there was a lot of fuckery that went on from the prosecution side. By the way, Katie Hahn, she's still in the space. She works at A16Z. She's on Coinbase's board, from what I understand. She's she was the prosecutor in that. She gets away. She was able to like walk free and, and go invest in companies and work for Anderson Horowitz. All that bullshit. So we got people in the comments saying it's the murder for hire. They dropped those charges, man. That yeah, was a smear people, job. They didn't yeah. they didn't they, he didn't get convicted on any kind of murder charges or any kind of hit charges. They dropped all of that shit. Go it's, read. We're gonna talk Go about read it. up on it. Yeah, it's like the typical FBI fucking bullshit. What's the word I'm looking for? Where they they basically create a scenario in which they make somebody a criminal. They did this in Florida with, I believe it was a gentleman who had Asperger's, was on some random internet forum, and they convinced him to go buy bombs to blow up and basically create a terrorist plot that the FBI created so they could arrest terrorists. They created, created one out of thin air, convinced him to go do like go buy a bomb and allegedly try to blow it up somewhere and they arrested him where they concocted all that whole situation and i think it's very similar with the the hits it may even be like more egregious than that it's yeah that's like the number one thing people because i wrote a newsletter about it earlier this week after seeing lynn's tweet from the free ross account like saying we need to speak up against this is bullshit and you all have to go listen to the interview and all the comments were like murder for hire like it's effective it's um, super effective it's like you pop out the headline in the beginning you do a character assassination and it sticks like you know it's it's the same thing with all fake news um it's it's way more difficult to battle back against it after it's already out there in the general consciousness and just to be clear here like i'm not saying like no crimes were committed but like he's done a shit ton of time. They've he was a young kid. He's apologetic. You know, they're making an example out of him. They're gonna keep him in there for the rest of his fucking life if they have their way. And they're gonna put him in solitary at the same time. This is just not the country that it's it's supposed to be. And as Americans and as Bitcoiners, we need to stand together on this one. It's very important. I'm sorry that we started this off on this, but it's it's super no, it's fucking horrible. important. No, it's it's really important. Like, what are we in this for? Yeah. If you listen to the interview, Ross was very, I don't want to say disappointed himself, but he was very reflective of what he did, the impact it had on others, his family, and in his thinking back then when he was running the Silk Road. Go listen to it. That's, a, that's all we're going to say. We'll end it at that. Hey.
How about Max's performance? So the, maybe we can sidebar here, talk about Bitcoin 2021 again. What did you think about the no coiners, shit coiners saying that it was a, a cringe fest? Was it a cringe fest? I didn't think so. Did you think it was a cringe fest? No. Oh, no. I thought. Look, I mean, honestly, honestly, like, I didn't like how much shit cornery was in the sponsorships. Um, but I don't know if you can throw an event of that size uh, without some, without, without some, you know, questionable, not quote unquote pure sponsors, right? I mean, I, like the Bitcoin only companies are extremely long-term focused and very frugal uh, and don't really want to sponsor these kind of things, at least not to a high degree. They won't spend like the big bucks on it. Uh, the content lineup could have been better, uh, but I think it was a pretty solid content lineup and you take what you can get. You know, you, you don't, uh, we've How seen does- some horrible, like, look about like, I mean, am I just, am I making excuses? Maybe a little bit, but like consensus is fucking horrible, man. It's like, so it's so bad <laughs> there. And it's like completely pay to play. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be like a bit block boom or like a Riga where it's like 200, 400 people. Agree. Like Kevin O'Leary gets on the main stage. Right. Kevin O'Leary, Mayweather. The Mayweather one was super cringe. Mayweather only talks about himself in the third person. Mayweather this, Mayweather that. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. <laughs> it was that woman interviewing him. Voorhees should not have been there. Voorhees go fuck himself. They put him on right after the toxic maximalism, you know? Yeah, he had, a, he had a comment. What would you say to Eric Voorhees? I mean, I think you just said something, but... I mean, Eric, Bitcoin made you. You have a shit ton of Bitcoin. When was the last thing you did for Bitcoin? It's Do hard something for Bitcoin, man. It's like it's been like eight years since he's done something for Bitcoin. He sold Satoshi Dice for what? Like two hundred thousand Bitcoin? It's like it's all public knowledge. It's out there. Isn't that a scam? Would you consider that a scam? What? Hawking off Satoshi dice for no, that's good business. That he she yeah. deserves all the credit for that in the world. He did it right before fees rose. He made it completely uh, worthless. And he did it all in Bitcoin like a fucking yeah. smart man. We'll give you that, Eric. But so let's explain Satoshi dice for the newer freaks who may not know what it is. You want me to go? Okay, so Satoshi Dice was basically an online dice game. You would try to guess what you would roll, right? And then you. Well, the it. cool part was it was it was any any game previously on the internet, you had to trust the operator, and the operator could fuck you, right? But what was cool about Satoshi Dice was it was provably fair, so it used the fucking block hash, so like yeah. you the numbers that won or not you knew were real because you could just check the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. Um, groundbreaking. Literally, it was groundbreaking in terms of provably fair online gambling. Hadn't really existed previously. Um, but it relied on super low fees, and it was... Um, it relied on, on, on super low fees, and it was completely priced out like right after he sold it. Because they were like basically... I mean, it wasn't spam because they were paying fees, but they were spamming the blockchain. For a period there... The overwhelming majority of Bitcoin transactions were Satoshi Dice transactions. Yeah, it, was, it got up to like 70% of the amount of transactions at one point. 
A pivotal part of Bitcoin's history. Satoshi Dice, Eric Voorhees, love him or hate him. And then, so he sold that, and then he switched into Shapeshift. Shapeshift. Fucking profited off all the shit coins until he had to bend the knee and do KYC. So he had a one-two punch, really quick one-two punch that he just made a shit ton of money on. And then since then, he switched it all over to ETH. Now it's all ETH-based, so he could get rid of KYC because as soon as he had KYC, it destroyed his business. And to be clear, he was like always like super anti-state, but as soon as like they fucking came down on him, he had to add KYC, um, which I, I assume he tried his best on that. But at the end of the day, like dude hasn't fucking done shit for Bitcoin for like eight years, nine years. So like, oh. he shouldn't be at a Bitcoin conference, period. Has he not done anything or is he like actively... Wouldn't you say shitcoining is actively attacking it? That's a, a good question. I don't think maybe it's an attack. I think it's a weak attack because I don't think shitcoins will ever beat Bitcoin. But it's like that, that whole line. I mean, like, he attacks Bitcoiners on Twitter and shit. He makes his whole narrative about attacking Bitcoiners. Toxic maximalists let the free right. market decide. It's like, well, yes, the free market is deciding and will continue to decide. That's a classic shitcoiner tactic. Let the free market decide. I believe in free markets too. Yeah, I don't free, believe in selling at your audience. Exactly. And part of the free market is calling the shit out, right? Like so, this. I mean, I was waiting to talk about this because we have one more topic um, that I wanted to talk about. But we get that topic later because it's not as important. Not that it's, eh, it's a whatever topic. Did Breedlove disappoint you? <sighs> well, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. We have to talk about this. The freaks demand we talk about this. This yeah. is a very important topic. Yeah. That was his tweet. That was his tweet. It's his pretty tweet obvious. Was, I'm pretty curious obvious. what the free market thinks about. Insert shitcoin here. It's pretty obvious that BitClout is an overt scam. I mean, just the way... It's so fucking obvious. It's James, like... James Presswich called them out months ago for storing private keys on their servers. Like, if Forget you, about the private keys. The private keys on the servers is an operational clusterfuck, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that is just immature amateur hour. But even if they did private keys perfectly... A coin. Right? Like even if they like their private key execution was perfect, it's fucked. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll start first principles. BitClout should it exist? No, you shouldn't have a social media network built on a blockchain. You shouldn't have a token per influencer. Again, and this sort of piggybacks on the Voorhees thing. Like the reason I'm what someone would define as a Bitcoin maximalist, a dirty maximalist, because I true, truly believe uh, having done the research and thinking I have a good grasp of monetary economics, I think we're trying to get away from a barter economy. Um, and that's what a token economy represents is bartering tokens. Um, and that's only part of it. Like Other parts of it is uh, most of the tokens that are spun up have centralized figures that create them that are going to... <laughs> benefit greatly from their success and BitCloud is no different. All yeah. the elements of BitCloud are like why BitCloud? That was my question. It's like you're gonna go with BitCloud, bro? Like maybe I think someone got to him at the conference, man. Uh, I think he decided to sell it to his audience. So the what I've heard too, like other people think about doing similar things that would surprise some people is that if you do a tweet like that with the link to your BitCloud No, he didn't unlock it yet. You can get access. You can tell if you unlocked it yet. The only way to unlock it is if you do a specific tweet to your BitCloud. Yeah. And so like the theory is there is that you'll see some people doing stuff like that so they can get $5,000 worth of Bitcoin on BitCloud and liquidate it. No, so it, but... first of all, 
if you did any research, you can't get shit out of BitClout right now, which is one of the reasons it's a scam. Um, there, it's a one-way market. You can buy BitClout, but you can't get out. You can't trade BitClout for Bitcoin to get out. No, so you can't even get out even if you wanted to. Um, but it's it's the, the so I have a tweet from March. Like if you just do a cursory look at the fucking website, you can tell it's just the worst fucking scam of scams. Um, James Presswick. Coin of shit coins. Start his name's like Nadir. Nadir. N a d e r. He came from like Princeton. I'm pretty sure he's like part of Basis Protocol. Like serial scammer. Like the 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 difference is almost a perfect example between Bitcoiners and shitcoiners. The comparison between Sphinx Chat and Sphinx Relay open source on Lightning with no pre-mined token versus value for value versus BitClout with pre-mined tokens, trying to get influencers and having all these influencer plays, whether you'd like trick them, you, you like convince them, you incentivize them, you incentivize them into getting pre-mined tokens to shill your shit on Twitter. And you create accounts for them ahead of time. Both of us have accounts that were created for us ahead of time that we haven't activated that are just sitting on the platform. And they threaten us. Like if we get rid of them, like an imposter is just going to come in and take them. I haven't even checked my BitCloud profile. Have you? Well, so I'm actually in a dicey situation because I switched to at Odell. So someone has the at Odell on BitCloud, but the at Matt underdash Odell still sits there. Obviously, I've never activated it. I would never sell out our audience. I would never sell out my people. I would rather fucking die than sell out my people. And I expect you guys to keep me honest. I don't want like I'm not you shouldn't trust me on that. I expect you to fucking keep me honest. But that's why I'm fucking here. And this is why it fucking pisses me off so fucking much. Because we've been here for such a long fucking time. And I see so many fucking people, even so-called Bitcoiners, fucking constantly selling out other Bitcoiners. And it pisses me off because it's a bad look on our whole tribe. You know, it's a bad look on us as, as, a, as a community. And I know Beauty On will say, oh, there's no Bitcoin community. There's, these are my people. Well, these are our people, well, you know? Well, what do I tell you? Like, off... Off air a lot. Blinders. Like we need to like racehorse blinders. We just need to stay in our lane, keep doing what we're doing. Don't worry about all that other shit. People are going to fall. They're going to rise. They're going to fall. And that's something we try to do here, freaks, is just stay true to why we got into this in the first place. And I like to think that we're principled and we, we were upfront with you guys and we, Disclaim as much as we have to and need to uh, to stay pure in your eyes. I mean, not even to stay pure in your eyes, stay true to ourselves. Like, it is fucked. It's sad to see. It's like, I don't feel compelled. Like, I don't feel, I feel lucky. I guess I'll say this. I feel lucky because I don't think I'll ever be in a situation where I'll be tweeting that stuff out. Like, I, again, Stay humble, stack sats. I guess that's what I'll say to that. Is like, I feel lucky that I don't feel literally an ounce of pressure to do something like that. And again, maybe it's just because of my convic- conviction in Bitcoin and the belief that this is going to be a winner take all type of market. You can't replicate Bitcoin's uh, immaculate conception. You can't 
run everything on a blockchain, nor do you need to. Like it doesn't make sense to do social media on a blockchain at all. It doesn't make sense to have a token for everything. Maybe it's that, but yeah, I don't see myself ever. If you ever see me tweeting something like that. Look, there, there's situations, huh? there's situations where especially newcomers come in and they're confused. They're confused. They think we're going to live in this like multi-coin crypto world with all these different digital assets and shit. That is fucking one thing, okay? Breedlove spent fucking years cultivating this fucking affinity scam. He cultivated this idea of like a Bitcoin-only thing. Spent three hours on Lex Friedman talking philosophy about fucking Bitcoin and shit. Super successful businessman, super successful Bitcoiner, yada, yada, yada. And then he fucking does this, and he doesn't even fucking admit he's wrong. He fucking doubles down on it. He goes, I will die on this hill. Fucking Jack Mahler said he would die on this hill. Because fucking governments are going to come after him because he convinced a nation state to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender. And two days later, you're going to say you're going to die on the fucking BitClout Hill? Are you fucking kidding me? That's yeah, bad. Fucking ridiculous. This is 2021. Yeah. This should not yeah. still be happening at this point. Yeah. No. I agree. I mean, somebody I talked to Breedlove at length, uh, I believe Friday or Saturday night. It was just like, a sh- it's like, are you BitClout? But I completely co-sign it. Yeah, it's a there are people with much more on the line putting their necks way further out that are truly the embodiment of the integrity necessary to bring this forward. And uh, yeah, it's tough to see. Is it an infinity scam? Do you build that? Like, it's it, it's a prime example. If let's see, maybe there's room for redemption here, but. If not, like you can spend years building up a reputation, but it takes literally one tweet to destroy it. Like that's all it takes. That's one thing you should be hyper aware of um, if you're in the space and keep keep people hold people accountable. Us put us on like a, a higher threshold of accountability. If anything, um, yeah, it's fucked, dude. It sucks to say. It sucks. Yeah, I agree. Like. Came out of nowhere, built up a great brand. Um, you can lose it in an instant. You can lose it in a tweet. I guess that's the lesson to learn from this. You look angry right now. Are you okay over there? You didn't lose it in a fucking tweet. It was, it was calculated and you fucking doubled down. The lesson isn't you don't lose it in a tweet. You lose it because you fucking have no integrity whatsoever. Yeah. Reputation is fucking everything in this new world. Man. That's true. That's true. Family's fucking everything. Yeah. And, and gets his way in these things, man. People the wonder. They're like, how? How? People the dude, wonder, like, why Bitcoiners get angry. The dude from CNBC South Africa. Blinders. This is why it's like blinders. This shit happens literally every cycle. Like, we can go back to. Ryan Kelly's shielding Nautilus coin on CNBC in like 2013, 2014. People are like, this is stupid. It just happens every every cycle. Yeah, but there's 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 new freaks that aren't aware, you know, who Brock is, who this is, and, and they're learning experiences, right? So that they we should be focused. We shouldn't um, you know, life is short. You shouldn't let it hurt you. But definitely should have let her you. Please. But these are educational experiences, and and I think you know there's a there's a place both on Bitcoin Twitter, 
in individual communities, meetups, telegram groups, RHR, this podcast, where we talk about these things as educational experiences, right? These, these are these are these are learning lessons. Yes. Um, and every time a Bitcoiner does something good, there's a thousand fucking scam corners waiting in the winds to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, and we're always up against it. And you have to be active. You have to be actively. And I know this for a fact. Then when, when our boy Jack Maulers was talking to the president of El Salvador, like he warned him ahead of time. And because you have to, right? You have to be like, look, as soon as this legal tender bill comes out, Tron is going to build a headquarters there. Balaji is going to tell you to do El Salvador coin. You know, Brock Pierce is going to come with his official delegation. It happens every fucking time. And, and if you're prepared, then maybe you can stop some of the pain. Maybe you can stop some of the hurt. But ultimately, the majority of people are going to have to touch the fucking stove and learn from that. Yes. And don't let it distract from what you have in front of you to accomplish on an individual basis. And then uh, Bitcoin is to be successful. Like, just focus on that. And that's why I said in the newsletter, like my, I, me personally, I have like insane, just insane confidence that Bitcoin's going to succeed, like seeing uh, what's happening in the mining space alone. So just blinders on. It's, it's only going to get louder, especially if, if price goes up. Uh, so, Marty, do you think it's a coincidence that fucking BitCloud got listed on its first exchange this week? <laughs> no. It would be a very interesting coincidence. It could be. Could be. You see, Breedlove says he's still investigating. He hasn't made his decision yet on BitCloud. Is he trolling though? Was that like a trolling response? No way. Did you see Brian Armstrong? Brian Armstrong opened his BitCloud. <laughs> yes, I did see that. He's got four million dollars with the Brian Armstrong tokens. You uh, see, Coinbase added Shiba Inu token. I saw that. I saw that. That's regulated a regulated Bitcoin exchange that's selling surveillance software to the U.S. government added. Shiba Inu token. Hey, that's what you're able to to hawk when you when you give all the information to the government. The thing I, is, I see where you're coming from. I know exactly where you're coming from. You, if we don't call out our own, who the fuck call, are yeah, we? I agree. We have to call them out. But like the point, I'm, I think with the energy stuff, I was, and again, I wrote that letter to myself today because like the energy stuff has been exhausting the last six months. Like consistently talking about it. it's like in my mind it's like all right blinders like everybody's made their decision it's like see you on the field like just wasting you time see lex friedman <laughs> charles hawkinson longest podcast five hours i do you spend five hours with hawkinson dude I, is he 33 he looks like he's if you needed proof that lex friedman's an idiot pretending to be a smart person there's your fucking proof yeah i was like holding back because he talks so fucking slow but damn man Clearly, clearly a fucking dumbass. Well, if you talk slow, does it make you seem smarter? Lex is going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. On his podcast, there's going to be a five-hour fucking episode with Charles Hoskinson. Did you listen to it? Of course not. I can only imagine what they talked about. I think I saw one clip where Charles just contradicted himself within the span of three seconds. I think that's the tweet I saw. Apparently. You said Bitcoiners have calling been calling it digital gold, but now called a store value, not realizing that gold is a store value. But yeah, no, it's again, it's only going to get louder. Charles Hoskinson, uh, Vitalik, uh, Brock Pierce—they're all 
are going to be around. Because remember, yeah, remember like CNBC South Africa came out and that dude just had a bunch of shit coiners on. Yeah. I'm sure he's going to be back. Crypto man ran. Yeah. I mean, CNBC does. CNBC proper does. The it. only responsible thing is to diversify into 100 different shit tokens. Well, dude, it's crazy that CNBC still lets Brian um, Kelly talk about anything outside of Bitcoin. Dude, he did Nautilus coin. In 2014, 2015, and then he like told noobs how to market by Ripple, literally at the all-time high in 2017. Like three years later, just like pushing more people into another scam. One thing I would say though is, and maybe I'm, I know I'm a broken record, freaks. This shit's bullish as fuck. Five hour, <laughs> a five-hour podcast with Charles Hoskinson on fake PhD man over there. That is bullish. That is extremely bullish. He got a ton of engagement off of it. He thinks he's the coolest man ever interviewing the founder of, of Cardano. Cardano. Dude, that is like the number one shitcoin. People ask me, like, what do you think about Cardano? I'm like, I don't think about Cardano. It's getting repetitive now, too. Like, I don't. A lot of, a lot of noobs are getting fucking okay. washed up into it, Marty. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's perplexing. Really? It's, it's cheap. It's a unit bias bullshit. Yeah, but like how many, how do so many people know about Cardano? Like I don't see like an immense amount of Cardano shilling in my everyday. Like is where, it on Coinbase? Where's that happening? I don't know. Where is that happening and what is being said? That's, that's what I'm interested to find out. It's definitely on Binance. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. And, it, and it's probably on Coinbase. It might not be on Coinbase because the VCs didn't get into it. And Coinbase usually only lists things that the VCs want to dump on retail, which is why they didn't have Dogecoin until like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the play, right? The VCs just get in early. If their bags aren't, aren't pumped well enough. Like, all right, Coinbase launch it. Let's rip. Rip dump. Who cares about Shiba Inu coin? What is the value? What is the value prop? It's the token. It's not even a. It's not even a proper shit coin. It's like an NFT. No, it's just like an ERC twenty token, or maybe it's on Binance chain. I don't even know. I assume it's. I assume it's an ERC twenty token because I don't think Coinbase lists Binance chain tokens. But I, I don't even fucking know anymore. I, it makes me feel like such a boomer sometimes. I was gonna say we are the biggest boomers in the space, probably. I wear that. That with pride. Okay, I'm happy to be a millennial boomer. I like that hat. Is that a new hat? No, this is had this worn it on a couple live streams, but yeah, I'm a uh, very uh, get, getting close to like peak butthole surfer right now. Um, it's that time of the year down the shore where just put a t-shirt, shorts. Don't put don't put flip flops on. Even walk to. The I like moon. your I like your background. How are you able to breathe on the moon without an oxygen tank? It's. Uh, a feat of human ingenuity. The moon isn't real. I'm here to tell all the freaks. <laughs> we made it up. The earth is flat. The moon doesn't exist. You're in a pod right now. Um, cheers to ride or die freak Kida, uh, who lets us know from Wikipedia that Shiba Inu is an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum blockchain and is based on Dogecoin. It brands itself, quote unquote, the Dogecoin killer. Coinbase. Are you buying Coinbase stock? Are you buying coin? Short it. I mean, don't short it. Just buy Bitcoin. Yeah, don't. Don't short. turn to zero in terms of Bitcoin. 
Don't short it. It's not financial advice. Don't short any equities or anything. It's just fucking all clown market. Just buy Bitcoin. Stay humble and stack sets. Agreed. Mayor Frontrunner, he seems to want to make Bit- New York a Bitcoin city. Dude doesn't even know what Bitcoin is. He just was saying buzzwords. Yeah, he's like, we're, we're going to bring Bitcoin. People like don't don't what people say doesn't matter. What they do matters more. Yes, yes. Just uh, judge, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. What they do, not what they say. The good thing is, at least it's like a positive buzzword talking point now. Right. And he could have said blockchain or crypto or digital assets. And he said Bitcoin. Um, I think he specifically said bring Bitcoins to New York. Yeah. It doesn't even make any sense grammatically. but. Um, like at least it's a buzzword, I guess. <laughs> we have that going for us. We got the buzzword. Bitcoin is a buzzword. Is it a trigger word? I guess that's. I, an I still think the plural of Bitcoin is Bitcoin. It's Bitcoins. Yeah, no, we disagree on that. This is one of the important debates of our time. Um, we 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 at least I think we disagree on at least biweekly. <laughs> um, on on how on how on how that that works. Yeah, I buy bitcoins biweekly. You you buy Bitcoin biweekly. I buy bitcoins biweekly on the cash. I stack multi multiple bitcoins. Just kidding. I wish that would be dope. Um, <clears throat> Iran. I think Sats is plural. Like, it's it's not Sat. It's Sats. Yeah. You know, forty three million Sats, but point four three Bitcoin. Or 143 million sats. 100 million 1.43 Bitcoin. 100 million sats is one Bitcoin. 200 million sats is two Bitcoins. It's very simple. Very simple. It's very straightforward, Matt. I don't see how you can. What is 1.2345 Bitcoin? It's 100 million. That's not my point. Not 100, 123 million sats is 1.23 Bitcoin. 43 million sats is 0.43 Bitcoin. No, it'd be one Bitcoin. So it'd be one Bitcoin, 200 or 23 million sats or whatever. What was that? It'd be one Bitcoin, 23 million sats. And if you get to like 200, if you get 2.3 for... That's how we're going to pronounce it? 300. We got to work this out. The decimals, because of the decimals, it just makes more sense if it's just Bitcoin. Okay. All right. And also, it's just better for OPSEC's sakes, too. Especially in, in, you know, as the price continues to go up. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you could hear my son crying. Hear him I'm a little not- bit. I'm not sure what's going on. Can you, can you hear the storm that's going on outside right now? I heard a, heard a little rumble. And now I'm worried I'm sitting outside. Is it going to come get me? I'm trying to theoretically, uh, I'm trying to mute on, on point for, for the first. No, you're fine. You're fine. Is it like pouring there? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Shit. I got all my... Hey, babe. Yeah. Can you uh, shut the door, please? Picking you up on the mic. Um, <laughs> What's our next topic? Former CFTC advocate uh, advocates for a big... He's not a CFTC advocate. He worked for the CFTC. He's the chair. A chair. Yeah, he's advocating for a Bitcoin ETF. Uh, this is a Bloomberg article, and I have uh, exceeded my Bloomberg article limit for the month, and I refuse uh, to subscribe. Uh, I will, Bloomberg, if you're listening, Michael, 
I will pay uh, Lightning <laughs> oh Network enabled uh, 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 paywalls. You can get through the Bloomberg paywall with an archive link. Yeah, the archive link. Um, but you didn't provide that for me. But um, from what I, rem- I remember, people talking about you know, XCFT, uh, CFTC chair. Um, was it uh, was it Gene Carla? Who was it? No, no, no. He was Jay Clayton. Jay Clayton. No, no, it wasn't him either. Timothy yeah. Massad. Okay, Massad. Interesting last name there. Um, with an A. Uh, okay, it's one letter off. Um, what, what's the gist of it? Since I haven't read the article yet, I mean, I don't know. He's just like oh, we should have an ETF. Yeah, it's like I mean, pretty straightforward. You can just read the headline. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like so jaded by ETF talk after years of ETF talk. That's like all right. I say time and time again, like BTC is the ETF. Obviously, I mean, people were like pumping off of it or whatever. They were tweeting about it. Well, how many times do we have to learn the ETF? Which is why I put it on the list. Remember like the Winkle loss? I mean, what was it, the beginning of 2017? When everybody's like, yep, we're getting an ETF in three weeks. There was ETF talk in the 2013 pump. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, fuck the ETF. I, I'm glad that we haven't had the ETF yet. Yeah, me, me as well. It's uh, ridiculous that I both agree that it's ridiculous that we don't have an ETF. <laughs> and that it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise that we don't yet because okay. it forces people to at least use a little bit more sovereign methods of, of buying Bitcoin than just buying the ETF. How much supply do you think an ETF launched? What do you mean? How much would it take? Well, right. imagine if it were launched in 2013. Imagine if it were launched in 2017. It would take so much. Look at GBTC. GBTC is a shitty fucking product. It's not even a real ETF and it's taken up so much Bitcoin. Yeah. It just can't, it's like, I mean, recently it's been going down, but in general, it's just a straight line up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but like now that's like an interesting thought experiment to have. Like the more this ETF gets delayed for whatever reasons, like does that equate to that ETF amassing less Bitcoin? I think so. do Do we want the ETF to be launched at the last possible moment? I think you can make the argument for that. That would make sense. Like imagine if it was launched in 2013. And then went to like the 2015 bull cycle that ETF was just scooping, scooping up $250 Bitcoin. For, yeah, I mean, if you think if you think it's bad that MicroStrategy has 100,000 Bitcoin, like it'd be a way worse if there was an ETF. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, even as it stands, like what, Coinbase has like a million and a half Bitcoin or something like that. I mean, I'm not looking at the numbers right now um, in their custody and there's no ETF involved there. Um the good thing is, is we're not proof of stake, right? Like if you have more Bitcoin, it doesn't give you more power over the network. You can dump the price if you sell it. But I mean, the proof of stake proponents should be more worried about, you know, what these centralizing factors have, have to deal with in terms of ownership, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, are you, are you a Monero shill? No, I'm not. Uh, if anything, uh, that influencer who was calling me out shows it more than I do. But uh, I'm waiting for him to increase his bounty. That's why I didn't answer that. Monero is clearly a shit coin. Yeah. No, I've pe- said many fucking times. Well, people ran with that tweet that you put right before Dispatch. Oh, that was thought- a trigger tweet for Dispatch too. Yeah, yeah. They thought you were shilling Monero, but if you actually comprehended, hence the reading comprehension of the tweet, you're just saying, hey, don't get mad, get even by competing. 
I'm in the unique position where uh, the status Bitcoin influencers don't like me and the Monero stands don't like me either. So uh, it's, it's a great position to be in. Uh, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I'm in a similar position, but I'm definitely in a position where I think a lot, a lot of the statists are, are not happy with me. There comes a point where it's, you know, like I don't block people so they can, you know, they, they, they can run around in my comments if they want to run around in my comments, but I'm not going to engage with someone uh, that continuously acts in bad faith and has zero respect for me whatsoever. So like, uh, if, if you're wondering why I don't respond to certain people, um, it's because they can simply go fuck themselves. And, uh, there, there's, there's never enough for them. They'll never be quenched. You know, I, I could say whatever I want to, I, I could say exactly what they want to say and they'll still, they'll, they'll still be, you know, making up baseless accusations. Um, so like that, that's just exhausting. There's, there's not enough time in the day to deal with that shit. Well, that's why I take the exact opposite approach and I, I block liberally because I just don't have the mental um, time, the time to expend mental work on trolls and other people. It clears your headspace too. I really recommend it. No blocking. So I block. This is why we come here. It's why we meet here. Different perspectives. My very good friend, Matt O'Dell. Matt, how the hell are we doing? What's up, good friend, Marty Bent? <laughs> good friend, great friend, incredible friend, brother. How are we describing our relationship? Who knows? I've been up since 4.30 a.m. I woke up in Miami, took an Uber to Fort Lauderdale, took a flight to Atlantic City. I've been putzing around all day trying to get my energy back. And Why'd you fly out of Fort Lauderdale instead of Miami? It's just much more convenient with Atlantic City. Uh, it's, there was no Miami to Atlantic City. No, no, we don't get those direct flights. Atlantic City must be a shithole fucking airport. It's not necessarily a shithole. It's very small. It doesn't have everything you'd want. It is convenient. Like the, uh, the walk from the front door through security to the gate is very short. Because it's small. Yeah, likewise, when you get off the plane, not a lot of walking. Not too busy at any point in time. Fort Lauderdale's a pretty small airport, too. It's bigger than Atlantic City. It's way smaller than Miami. Yeah, I've never even flown into Miami. Every time I go down there, I fly from Atlantic City and into Fort Lauderdale. It's not bad. 4.30 in the morning, the Uber from Miami to Fort Lauderdale was uh, like 25, 30 minutes. It wasn't that bad. I was, pleas I was pleasantly surprised by Miami airport. I flew out uh, for Bitcoin 2021. I flew back from Miami. Yeah. Actually, I actually, yeah, I, I went to Indy and back and then flew out. So I was there three times. It was a good airport. The, the whole mask thing in the airports is just infuriating. Uh, but, uh, really is. I ripped it off uh, this morning as soon as I I got off the plane, like walked through the thing and got to uh, the gate ticketing booth and the one spirit uh, representative was like, sir, please put your mask on in the airport. And I just completely ignored her and kept walking. <laughs> the freaks, uh, no, I don't really need that much of an excuse, but it's turned me as a traveler into way more of an alcoholic than I was before because the bars are like the mask-free zone. Yes, so yes. So you just, I just, as soon as I get through security, I just go sit at the bar and I just fucking pound drinks until like 10 minutes before boarding closes, five minutes before boarding closes. And then I just get on the plane and then as soon as drink service goes, I just start drinking again. Yeah. The, uh, the ways in which you 
try to avoid the mask in the airport on the plane. On the plane this morning, I was tired, wanted to go to sleep. Obviously, mask on hurts of breathing. So I just pulled my hat down like this and just hit, put my mask under under my mouth. It's so fucking ridiculous. I had to hide the fact that I had my mask down, like using my hat, just so I could breathe correctly. Federal crime. Literally, federal crime. Don't tell Spirit I did this. They might uh, make them at me for for being a a, a viral terrorist, if you will. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. It's ramping back up. It's ramping back up. Delta Bear. Should we like launch in uh, like an airfare focused podcast that we just talk about traveling on planes? <laughs> <laughs> traveling on planes are experiences. I hate airports. They're just getting worse and worse. Ooh, way there. <laughs> We'll get to Bitcoin eventually, but I have to tell them. <laughs> uh, the way to Miami, Monday morning, AC to Fort Lauderdale, going through security and AC, and I had to go through the scanner. And I had uh, shorts on with um, uh, with a tie. Like, what is a tie rope? What the fuck is it? What am I thinking? Belt. Not a belt, but <laughs> strings that I tied into. Oh, like, like the elastic, not elastic. It was it was strings. I had strings that I tied, and so like it was like a little bulky in the front of my shorts. And I go through that fucking scanner. Whenever I go through that scanner, I give the double bird because they just want to voice my. You're supposed to put your hands up or whatever. This voice my displeasure with the whole process because it's all bullshit. But I get out and uh, I'm like waiting to see. I have nothing in my pockets, nothing, and just like my whole dick area is red. He's like, like, sir, I'm with the pat pat down your groin. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And like the. The guy next to him. And then, like, I was just wearing shorts, no underwear. And I was wearing <laughs> flip-flops on the plane. I was, like, barefoot, like a T-shirt and these shorts. And he's like, I'm going to have to I'm have to pat down your groin. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And the guy, like, next to him, he was like, all right, no need to no need to get angry, sir. Like, step back in. We'll see if, like, something happens. I like, go back in. Nothing. It's like, what the fuck is this process? What is going on here? Well, the original... Dude was ready to, like, grab my dick, too. I was like, get the fuck away from me. The, the original design of the machines, if I recall correctly, was it was actually like would show like an x-ray image. But for privacy preserving uh, concerns, now it just shows like a, a heat, like yeah. a square, like it'll show a square like this area is concerning, but they don't actually see like an, they supposedly don't see like an x-ray image of your junk. I'm surprised you don't get more trouble for flipping the bird when you go through. I do. They, they, some, not, they don't always catch it. Sometimes they will. They'll be like, hey, that wasn't cool. There's kids here. And I'll be like, fuck you. I hate. You have th- no rights in the airport whatsoever. I hate TSA. I hate that whole process. Am I just a contrarian that hates everything that, that is mainstream? Maybe. No, I mean, the TSA uh, is just fucking. It's a bunch of mouth breathers. Like, they these- waste us a shit ton of time. They waste us a shit ton, ton of money. And it's not really actually effective at, you know, preventing terrorism. I mean, we saw, I I mean, in general, terrorism seems to have subdued, but we even saw for a little bit there, we saw bombings just happen on the opposite side of the TSA line, right? They had that massive bombing in, uh, what was it? I think it was Belgium. Mm -hmm. It was on the other side. It was, it was, they bombed the people waiting online. Yeah. Just, just next time you're in the airport, if you've never thought of this, just look at the TSA uh, employees and think to yourself: like, is this really the last line of defense that's going to save save us from a terrorist attack? Well, I would just push back. Well, I, I agree that they're probably not, 
but I would push back at being angry at the actual employees. Like they have a shit fucking job. They do. Um, they do like their power trip too. And they, some they, of them, some of them do, but they, I feel they, like most of them are just. They, take, they know they have a shit job and they just do it every day. And they, they just, take their shit job and they, and they focus their anger and angst about that shit job on you know, the people that are being cattle herded through their process. It's like, yeah, if you're gonna take this job, don't take it out of me when you're angry, and you're frustrated. And you're, and you're not like that could work somewhere else. The TSA is actually, it's kind of relevant, right? Because it's a perfect example of using fear for go, government overreach and then that never getting rolled back, right? Yeah. And this is kind of what we're seeing happening with COVID. Like I, most of the shit that's getting implemented, I'd be very surprised if it ever gets rolled back. It's just going to get worse and worse. Yeah, these temporary agencies, solutions, uh, are never very temporary. We're 20 years into the TSA in their current form and they're restrictive. Think about how much time is wasted in those fucking lines and that whole process. It's incredible. Um, incredibly uh, depressing. Yeah, not temporary. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Guess what? LA, mass back on. Austin, thinking about mass back on. Delta variant, cases up. It's coming. It's coming. If you're vaccinated, you're 100% safe, except for all these people who've got COVID and died from it after being double vaxxed. It's crazy, like the discrepancy of messaging across the world. You have Israel, something like 64% of hospitalizations are people have been double vaxxed, similarly in the UK. And then like here in America, somehow the statistics are like 100% of the people who are hospitalized because COVID right now are unvaccinated. It's like, eh. Definitely bullshit. In the lineup, I think. But I we're, think Israel like closed their borders even to vaccinated people now. And yeah. Sydney's going back into lockdown. Did you see the video clip of, of them that? in Sydney talking about using financial surveillance to enforce lockdowns? Yep. Yep. They're gonna track your. They're gonna track businesses and debit card transactions to make sure people aren't going out and eating. They'll they'll know. The dystopia, and again, we, we mentioned this last week in the tone of last week's rip was very, unemo- I don't want to say unemotional, but very serious, I would say. Because um, I think we both agreed that it, it, it feels like a palpable escalation of authoritarian narratives and attempts to uh, clamp down on the populace is, is picked up in the last couple months and it's accelerating and I, and I would I would argue that trend continued over the last seven days since we last met yeah I, I feel like it's heating up right I don't know I am I, I maybe I just have a constant bias about these things um, but it 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 feels like uh, yeah I don't know I don't know man it's like you you it just, it's, I've, I've, I feel in my normie circles, um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, resurgence in like the COVID fear tactics. And as a result, I expect, and I think I talked to you about this off the record back in Miami, uh, where the, we were like, kind of 
we oh maybe we were like in the eye of the storm. It kind of looked like maybe we had passed the point of of you know people have pushed back. They said we don't want vaccine passports. It wasn't going to happen in a lot of different places. Um, and there was like some hope. Like for a little bit there, there was like oh maybe it won't be like wide sweeping vaccine passports, surveil everyone, track everyone, make them comply. Um, and I said I was like they're just going to go one variant after the next. They're just going to be like this variant, this variant, this variant. You need to get your boosters. You need to do this. And, the, and once the, you know, once everyone who volunteers to get the vaccine does it, then the pressure begins to try and get the, the remnants of that. Yeah. And it's again, incredibly logically inconsistent. Like, it's just like, Oh my God. But the whole neighbor, And again, it's divide and conquer te te techniques. I think that's the thing that scared me in the last few months, specifically about the perceived escalation that, that we may both believe is, is happening, is the overt de divisive tactics, particularly the messaging around vaccinated versus unvaccinated. The pandemic of unvaccinated people is one the lines the, the media and the political class has been running with to try to stigmatize people who have decided that they would rather not be part of a, an experimental vaccine rollout. Um, and would rather risk uh, getting it and surviving. I mean, to me, the biggest, the biggest fucking thing that pisses me off is this idea that it's anyone's fucking business. Right. Somehow. You know, I forget about the conversation about the efficacy of the vaccine or the safety of the vaccine or whether or not you want to get it. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. But like to think that, and, and this is not just from government, right? I've had family members who think they have a right to know whether what my decision was. Why the fuck do they have a right to know what my decision was? How is that any of their business? It's fucking crazy. And it's just, I, it's, I, I feel the pressure only getting higher from here. And uh, we see the UK is, is rolling out passports now. I expect it to go all throughout Europe. and. Governments can't secure data. They just fucking can't. So if we're just going to give them even more data, we're going to give them location data, we're going to give them medical records, have them all keep that in their insecure databases, it's a fucking mess. Agreed. And we're going to pick up this this line of thinking after we get to the dashboard because there's so Wait, much... Is this a Bitcoin podcast? It is. It is. Well, Bitcoin plays into this, right? Like, we will connect it back to Bitcoin, I'm sure. Janet has taken the baton in the treasury and uh, is is looking to slow down the Bitcoin industry uh, to a certain extent or co-opt it. If you Portman got a payoff and he slipped in there. Yeah, what payoff? What was his payoff, do you think? Money? I don't know. Maybe he's like going to be a future cabinet member or something. Yeah. Is this slander right now? Are we slandering? A All right. We're just speculating. We're speculating. Yes. But obviously, he hates freedom. That's not speculation. He and do you think and he hates America because this is bad for America? Yeah. And who he's getting his pecking orders from? What do you think it is? Do you think Janet hates America, or do you think she has such a beef with Bitcoin Sign Guy for how bad he embarrassed her that he she has a vendetta? It's not even about the fact that that Bitcoin's like a new uh, distributed cash system that is separate from central banks and governments. It's that that one blonde, fresh-eyed, sailing yuppie. Uh, held up the buy Bitcoin and embarrassed her while she was asking, being asked if uh, 
Congress could audit the Fed. I mean, if it's if it's a personal vendetta, that's almost reasonable. You know, she should be embarrassed by that. That would she haunt me did. forever. Yeah. No, yeah. but these guys in the Fed, like Bitcoin's Bitcoin goes against everything they've spent their life doing. They understand Bitcoin. Let's make that clear. I think I think we should make that very clear. Like they're not stupid about what's going on. That's why they're trying to coordinate across the global central banking system, the ECB, the BIS, that type of uh, banking entity are, are really pushing central bank digital currencies hard, particularly Augustine Karstens and Christine Lagarde. Uh, and obviously you have the Chinese digital yuan, but I, I would consider that separate from the other CBDCs. CBDCBs. CBDCBs, excuse me. Um, they know what's going on. They understand the threat that Bitcoin poses. I mean, you're going to have to show your papers to eat dinner in New York City. Uh-huh. I think uh, I think most people will roll over and just take their surveillance coin, whatever. Let's talk about that. How does it... Are you officially a New Yorker with me now? I've been unofficially one for a bit now. <laughs> uh, it's... It's insane. It's, insane. it's so fucked. I, I will not comply with that bullshit. Yeah, I'm done. We have to They've boy- destroyed our city. I have to boycott Shake Shack now. Yep, hundred percent. How ironic is that? Shake Shack clogging arteries day in and day out, trying to force people to carry vaccine passports to make sure they don't spread uh, the common cold, the, the COVID. Whatever it is now, or coronavirus, which is the common called. Like, once again, regardless of what you think about the virus or the vaccine, we should not be fucking showing papers when we go to eat dinner or go to a concert. And it's even, it's almost even worse than papers because it's all digital and it's all stored on their insecure fucking databases. It's an absolute privacy nightmare. It's a civil rights issue. And Retail in New York City is already hurting tremendously. And they're just dropping this on top of them in addition to it. And, and I'll, I'll just I'll reiterate that this is one of the reasons why I see so much value in Bitcoin is because it's hard to change. Right? Like we've seen bad governance in New York within the last decade just absolutely destroy the city. Like the, the beauty of Bitcoin is there, there's, there's no centralized governance that can destroy it in a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if you listen, well, if you listen to the episode I dropped yesterday with Laser Hoddle, I think this is a very good point to highlight the point he was articulating throughout that episode, which is we have to zoom out. What are these vaccine passports in New York City a, a bigger part of? And that is monetary reset. Like they need uh, the, the push towards these vaccine passports is a very easy way to get an app in people's hands that would, could easily transition to a CBDC wallet, which is part of this monetary reset. Like they want people so scared and so compliant that they're, like you said, uh, just willing to walk into the digital panopticon. And so this one pressure point with the vaccine passport specifically, uh, it, it, like people are just fed up. They're like, fuck it, I'll do whatever. I'll take the vaccine. I'll download the passport. Just let me go back to my life. Tell me what the rules are and I'll play within the rules. I'm so tired of dealing with all this shit. And that is what they're actively trying 
to they're trying to get as many individuals as possible to that point so they can get them hooked into this digital panopticon, the Chinese surveillance state that they're trying to export or import. It's our, the thing is, is like, yeah, we're, we're, we have a focus because we're focused on Bitcoin. We have a focus on these CBDCBs and like it's the new hottest buzzword, but it's already here. You know, your credit card is absolutely a surveillance card. Your Apple Pay is a surveillance app. Like they could integrate it tomorrow. They can integrate the whole vaccine system into Apple Pay if they wanted to. And when you go when you go to pay or you go to enter the place, you use the same app to enter as you pay and they can track every single person and they can check where you ate. They can check when you ate there and they can check your vaccine status. They can do all of that without CBDCBs. That's just the natural evolution of where it's going. It gives them a little bit more control instead of outsourcing it to a private company. But it's already basically there. And we saw it in Australia. They're looking at bank card statements. They're looking at credit card statements. Your relationship with your credit card provider is data slave and master already. It's already there. It's already happening. Every time you swipe. Agreed. And I would also say, so it's a bit politically untenable using the means that you just described, credit card history, shopping history, Venmo history, whatever it may be. It's a little untenable to to thrust the the social or digital panopticon on those applications out of the blue. Like I think what they're trying to get individuals to the point of is openly accepting and and accepting the the overt trade-offs, the the trade-offs that are basically explained up front. Hey, we're gonna give you this vaccine passport. If you don't have a QR code that says you're vaccinated, you can't go there. And then it's also going to turn into your C B D C wallet and we're going to airdrop some some cuck bucks into that. Every two weeks, you have X amount of time to spend it. You can spend it at uh, YZA uh, merchants. Uh, these are the conditions of using this. And they're just, again, it's politically untenable to, to force that on the incumbent means via which people interact with the economy. If you get basically permission out of a point of, of exhaustion and just desperation to get back to normal, it makes it more politically tenable or palatable, if you will. So, okay, you, you accepted the chains. You saw the terms and conditions. We explained it to you up front. Like you have Christine Lagarde and Augustine Carson's again, the two pushing this the hardest, I would argue, explaining these things out loud in public confidently. It's infuriating. Comment freaks, beware. Beware. What do we got next? We got any good news now? No, we got to start with vulnerabilities. <laughs> the good news is far off. They are beginning to launch their attack on Bitcoin. It began, I would say, many years ago. It's, uh, I, I went through it earlier this week. I wrote something in June of 2019 on FATF and the guidelines that they started writing for virtual asset service providers. I, I think that's when the war started, when they started making guidelines for this stuff. The first shot to me was the bit license. That is, that's good. We can go back to 2014. The bit license was like 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're trying to do bit license at the national scale now. Like, at what point do we stand up and just say, fuck this tyranny? Like, that's all it takes. It's like these, these, like, you need to embolden more individuals out there who believe in Bitcoin, the freedom enabling properties that it provides individuals in the world at large to stand up and say, no, this is right. This is virtuous. This 
makes humanity better off and you will not ruin it for the rest of us. You old, out of touch, corrupt puppets. Get the fuck out of the way. Get out of the fucking way. You go die, please. I'm not saying be murdered, be killed. Just die. Just go lay in your bed. Close your eyes. Been a good life. Leave us the fuck alone. There's been a large number of potential malicious Bitcoin nodes graphing the network since July 21st. I'm sorry. Did you have anything to add to the end of that? No, no, not, no. No. Okay. All right. I'm sorry for another go die rant, but that's how I feel. Like, just leave us the fuck alone, you guys. Term limits or something. Your career needs to die. Maybe that's the more palatable thing to say. Yeah. yeah. Like, maybe like be less corrupt. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Try. Could you try to be less corrupt? Is it possible? Um, I don't I don't think so at this point. The only way out is civil disobedience and taking what is ours. Ex- yeah, ex- I mean, that was never actually gonna happen. Yeah. Asserting our rights and t- like it's, it's not waiting for permission. Hey, please, sir, can I send a peer-to-peer transaction to Matthew? Can you can you let me do that without having to send him a 1099? Please, sir, please. No, just do it. The P2P network enables it. Tell them to fuck off. Just keep hashing, keep sending transactions, keep coin joining. That's the only way out of this. The only way out of the COVID restrictions and lockdowns too is to disobey there. We're not going to get into that though because it triggers too many people. Many pussies. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uncle Marty's heated. He just got out of a long car ride. Hotel room's not ready. Had to push back. The, the, The rental car wasn't ready. I've been sleeping on a mattress on the floor all week. I've been stretched thin, stretched thin. I'm going to try and relax from here on out. Maybe I should have an edible. Um, the uh, Let's get on with the Bitcoin news. We only have like 50 minutes left, 40 minutes left. Uh, BitMEX. I just want to say, this Marty, cool. first of all, I love you, brother. Uh, and uh, we, had a, we had a freak who like tweeted at me and you. I was like Matt salty about your success at Great American Mining. I just want to be absolutely clear that what? I fucking love what you're building at Great American Mining. I don't know and why anybody would doesn't. Have... Sometimes, sometimes you 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 become more obsessed with mining, so it might come off that I'm a little bit salty. But it's it's just you know it's like oh Marty's going on a mining tangent again. But I absolutely <laughs> love what you guys are building, and it's it's super important, and I I think it's going to change the world for the better. So. Thank you. And I've, uh, I don't know, I've never gotten the inclination that that freak had. So that's good. I'm glad because it, it made yeah. me feel bad. And I was like, that's not what I meant, you know, to put out. I don't there. think it's I've never case. felt that way. I've never had uh, that felt like you are salty about great American mining. Um, that actually reminds me. So did you participate in casino night uh, at Big Black Boom? Mm-hmm. So Gary killed it. He had this casino night uh, that I thought was like going to be like, I love you, Gary. I thought it was going to be kind of shitty because it was like, (laughs) it was with fake money. He like used like Bitblock boom bucks that you could then convert into raffle tickets to win prizes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, Our, our uh, dealer at the blackjack table was this lovely woman. I'm not going to dox her name, but I do remember it. Um, She, I was like, can we tip you in Bitcoin? She had no idea what Bitcoin was, right? She had an iPhone. She was at 2% battery life. 
and we I we got her to download Moon Wallet with two U's. And everyone at the table tipped her in Bitcoin, both on-chain and Lightning, in a in a relatively self-custody, trust-minimized way. And she still had 1% battery life left, which was like the greatest Bitcoin onboarding experience I've ever had. That sounds incredible. Well, then we tried to get the craps table dealer to, to accept Bitcoin. He wouldn't do it. Like he's like, ah, I'm, I'm not doing that. But uh, no, it's like, so the 2% battery, from zero to accepting on-chain and lightning payments before that phone died with time to spare. Fantastic. It's getting easier, freaks. The UX is improving. Yeah, it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. I think that's been the theme of this podcast for the last four years is patience. We've been talking about all this stuff, uh, visualizing what may come. It seems like things are coming together. Uh, I will say, though, uh, the casino night, even though it was... Like bit block boom bucks. It's hilarious how like the human psychology works. It's like just trying to like accumulate chips. Like it uh you still, even though it was fake money, you literally didn't put up anything. Uh well, you can buy back in. Yeah, you can buy back in, but it was uh they gave you like twenty five dollars worth of credits. It was hilarious how it was like it was literally worth nothing other than raffle tickets to potentially get you donated gifts. And you were just like, fuck. I hate that I lost that hand. There's something about like the psychology of that that uh, was fascinating to experience in real time. I had to like literally uh, take a deep breath and be like, "This is this is not worth anything." Like, why am I getting pissed at this? Uh, oh no, I, I, we had a great my table. I I walked in and there was just like there's there's this table of young plebs and I just sat down and we just fucking went for it for like what was it like two hours or something? I never left the table. Yeah, I came in for the last hour and I played blackjack for like that was fun. 30 minutes and then Kelly Lannon and uh and Grant from 1031 were teaching me how to play craps. Craps is still no idea what's going on in that game. No idea. My table was Young Lurk. Uh I don't know his I don't know his Nick, Don. Um Nick Can't Mine, Tyler, Casey. I'm forgetting one and Dylan. Dylan LeClaire. It was a fucking fire table. Yeah. It was a fire, fire weekend. Again, next year it's going to be in Austin. Does it lose its luster in Austin next year in June? I hope not. I don't think it will. I'm very happy it's happening in Austin because I'll be able to sleep in my own house. Um, yeah, it is going to happen. I, he, I think he said he was going to go bigger. I hope it's not too much bigger. Right? That's a bit, that's the beauty of BitBlock Boom. Gary, if you're listening, I'm sure you're on vacation right now. I hope you are at least. That, the intimacy of BitBlock Boom and the camaraderie, especially if you've been gone. Like I've, this, I've gone four years in a row and it's just same faces, same people. I know. It's like a family reunion. It's not really yeah. a conference. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great vibe. There's no shit coinery, obviously. And just like hardcore Bitcoiners. Um, and it's a very Philadelphia... Uh, 1775 vibe. Lobbycon. <laughs> right. Probably nothing like 1776 or 1775, but it's fucking hilarious. Just like in the lobby of the Marriott, just constantly just Bitcoiners drinking, talking Bitcoin. Yeah, shilling. <laughs> that was another funny uh, story, apparently. Um, the list isn't that long, so we can, we can go yeah, off of the tangent today. Um, so apparently, uh, uh, Will Cole made me aware of this, but... Uh, 
Did you notice there was like an orthodontist uh, conference going on at the same time on the was other side? Really? Yeah. Well, apparently they do it every year at the same week. There was last year. I remember the orthodontist. They were there year. again this year. And apparently a couple of them came up. Uh, it's, it's like Will Cole and them were like, yeah, we were here last year. We bought Bitcoin and we're very happy. Like <laughs> we're, we're, awesome. we're shilling the orthodontist of the world too. <laughs> what the fuck is multiple Bitcoin? Multiple Bitcoin makes more sense. Bitcoin. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You already, you already fucking got cake in your face over that. You can't pull it back. I retract. Now. I retract. I retracted. Team Bitcoins. It's official in El Salvador. McDonald's. McDonald's is going with Bitcoins. There's nothing you can do about it. No, they had Bitcoin. No, they had plural Bitcoins. It's a win for Bitcoins there. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. We need to get a tally going, uh, freaks. If it doesn't you, make well, any sense, what is is it? Is it one point two three bitcoins or is bitcoin? It, is it one point two three crypto? Like or cryptos? Crypto isn't a thing. Crypto doesn't exist. It's not a real thing. Bitcoin is a thing. What if there was a coin called cryptocurrency? Like, Already could, like like it's actually around in a field with the deers and it's actually believable. A shit coin called cryptocurrency. There's just like a huge marketing. How to- is there not one yet? Right, you'd. I wish I was could take a time machine back to twenty thirteen. Marty's about to release a shitcoin called cryptocurrency. Uh, Disclosure: Marty is on the board of a publicly traded Canadian. This is true. I don't know if we have to disclose that, considering the the company I'm on the board of has nothing to do with this conversation. I I mean, I I'm just I'm just helping you out. Do I have to disclose like when I talk about other Canadian? Publicly? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just providing insight. Okay. But all right. we're all gonna buy the stock tomorrow morning, right? I don't know if I, I'm gonna buy Bitcoin tomorrow morning. I know that. I don't know if I'm gonna be going to buy Crew Energy stock. Um, the the one we all missed was Athena Blockchain. That stock just fucking went parabolic. <laughs> They were publicly traded? Yeah, they were publicly traded. Never even realized that. They went they went parabolic about three RHRs after we talked about them getting the contract for El Salvador. They're the El Salvador, they're the Chivo wallet uh ATM provider. I saw some Chivo wallet ATMs on fire on Twitter. Did you see that? I did see that. <laughs> Apparently there's some I guess uh, to be objective, give you guys all the news out there. Apparently, there's some protest about the Bitcoin legal tender law in El Salvador. People are setting Athena Bitcoin ATMs on fire, the Chivo. But could be a false flag. Could be just like Christine Lagarde sending in some goons, being like, set them on fire. <laughs> Make it seem like the people don't want this. We can't have this happening. They need to take our billions in IMF loans. They're like they're professional loan sharks is what they are. The IMF, yes. It's disgusting. Like just think about like the again, it seems like everything in this episode's wrapping back around to the Fode uh, reason mini doc, the interview. Just think about that. The IMF basically went to the French Central Bank, was like, hey, you need like the Senegalese currency that you're running and you're controlling. We're going to ask you to devalue that overnight. Just cut it in half. These millions of people living in this country that are affected by this have all this savings in these bank accounts. They assume 
if the savings in that bank account has a certain purchasing power, we're just going to reduce that purchasing power in half overnight. Boom. The IMF pressures the French central bank to do that and just did it overnight. No warning to anybody. Just happened. This is how money works in many parts of the world, every part of the world outside of Bitcoin. It's pretty insane to think about. Loan. Yes, they do indenture you with their, their big loans. She woke up. It's a beautiful room. This is, it's it's one of three rooms. We're not staying in this room. Yeah, this is the recording room. Okay. Um, we could we could wake up tomorrow, and this woman right here, this beautiful, beautiful woman right here, could just be like, "Yeah, you're, people aren't allowed to self custody exchanges. You're not allowed to let people uh, remove their coins from the exchange to personal custody." She could mandate that, and they'd have to listen the next day. I'm pretty sure. The way things are yeah. going with all this. I mean, they're a little bit inept. So, like, my guess is if they did it, there'd be like at least some kind of notice. Um, but it just depends how big of a crisis unfolds. Like, if there's a large crisis, then things can move quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> Marty Jones is coming out now. Like, ah, how much do we have to put up with this? How many, how many times do we have to put up with this incompetence? Like the, the government, the U.S. government, I'll focus on our government. Like it is completely incompetent. It is inept. It is making things worse. It is taking more and more tax dollars and producing a worse and worse product over time. Why do we put up with these people? Fuck these people. They should have no, uh, no say on what we're building here. We're building the future of money and, and finance for the digital age. And these old dinosaurs who don't understand anything, they're greedy they're kleptocratic. They're uh, evil. I would argue a lot of them are evil. Uh, are are making these broad brush regulations on the most incredible technology that humanity has ever come into contact with. It's just very frustrating. And that is why I'm a, a strong advocate of civil disobedience at the personal. And I hope companies start disobeying. I hope the base companies like River Cash App. Uh, other exchanges. Sorry for putting you guys on the spot, but you're on the spot. You're on the spot. We need people to stand up and say, this is enough. Like get away from us. Leave us alone. The bar is so low. I'm just like impressed. They haven't sold surveillance tools to the U S government. <laughs> Did you see that board Elon Musk tweet? Um, no. he, let me find it real quick, but it's just like a perfect depiction of like, but that's he, a parody he, account, right? Like he doesn't yeah, operate board Elon Musk. No, it's not, it's not Elon, but it's just a, uh, it's a parody account with 1.7 million followers, but it's like, uh, he uses the word crypto. I know we don't like it, but it really highlights the absurdity of the focus on Bitcoin and the overarching cryptocurrency landscape. Most money lost by consumers through crypto scams last year, $80 million. 2020, $80 million. Money lost by consumers through overdraft fees last year, $12 billion. Like banks are literally robbing poor people of $12 billion in overdraft fees. And uh, nobody says anything about it. Uh, some people get scammed and they took risk. Uh, I would argue they probably understood the extent of the risk they were taking uh, and it got burned. And now we just need to completely cuck this again, revolutionary technology, potentially the best technology that humanity has ever come into contact with, because it finally allows us to create a globally fair monetary system that can't be manipulated by people like this beautiful woman. It's 
He's kissing. He's kissing Janet Yellen for the audio freaks. Just yeah, the audio freaks. She's on my green screen today. We got the Bitcoin sign guy sign. Um. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, crazy, crazy times we live in. Um, tools like Bitcoin and other open source tools, free and open source tools are needed now more than ever. The education surrounding them is needed now more than ever. Uh, I really do think that Bitcoin and the adjacent open source community is hope. It embodies hope. And if we are able to empower ourselves and help empower other people, um, we'll have a brighter future. And that's, you know, continues to be my focus. But this week really solidified, you know, why we do this every week, right? Like some weeks, especially during summer when the weather's really nice and news is slow, uh, it's easy to get into a headspace where you're like, why do I even, like, why do I do this every week? And this week really solidified why it's so important uh, that we come back and the freaks come back and that we put our heads down and are humble enough to know that we need to keep learning and keep improving ourselves. Love that. What particularly for you is is driving home these stark reminders that we need to come back and educate people and, and talk about this stuff and really force uh, the issue of, of Bitcoin being an imperative uh, for our future? Well, we had three things this week. Uh, I guess we'll just throw them all out here, even though they're all on the list. Um, we had uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen and President Biden both separately uh, advocate for wealth taxes, wealth confiscation. Um, we had uh, an ex explosive report come out of Yahoo News that uh, the Trump administration, along with the CIA in 2017, drafted up plans to assassinate or kidnap Julian Assange. Well, um, I think some clarity there. The Trump administration, the lawyers actually stepped in and told the CIA you're going a bit too far. I believe that's the case. Well, I think it's like mostly like the documents and stuff haven't been declassified. It's, I guess, Trump officials spoke to Yahoo on, on the condition of anonymity. Mm -hmm. But regardless, they changed his designation. They like designated, that's what they always do. They like unhuman someone right before they decide they're going to like drone strike you or kid. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny at all. Uh, drone strike you or assassinate you otherwise or kidnap you or whatnot. But the point is, is that this kind of stuff is stuff that was labeled as a conspiracy theory, right? And here we are. It's, I mean, it's clearly not a conspiracy theory. We weren't crazy. And then the last one was uh, the Associated Press uh, released an article about how far-right extremists are using Bitcoin and Monero. And I, you know, this is something that I've, ex this is a talking point that I've expected for a very long time. And I expect all three of those things to just, um, well, especially the first and the last, to you know, continue to be louder uh, talking points, to continue to be louder narrative shifts and actual execution of those narratives. Um, you know, first you, the, 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 the first thing before you do wealth confiscation is, is you, you talk about it and you try and normalize it. You call it something like unrealized capital gains. You say, 
It's only going to be for the top 1%. It's only going to be a small amount. You get people to accept it. You make it more palpable, um, palatable, make it easier for people to accept. And then, first of all, you use that as justification to greater financial surveillance on everyone because you've got to make sure you know, you're know you not above the threshold. So even if you're poor, we still got to surveil you to just make sure that you're still poor so that we don't have to take your wealth. Um, and then unlike the, the far right stuff is like, it's, it's perfect. You know, that's, that's a strategy as, as old as time, right? Yeah. You, you target someone as an enemy and then you're able to build support to attack, attack a greater group of people because you say, you know, they're not really humans. They're the enemy. We, we need to go after them. And I expect, you know, both of those things to accelerate here. I do as well. What is up freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent here. On a lovely, lovely Thursday afternoon. I got a stogie in hand. I got some Maker's Mark private selection courtesy of Alex Leishman. Uh, and I'm sitting down with my good friend, Matt O'Dell, for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. And we are joined by Tales from the Crips first ever producer, Car Gonzalez. Matt, how's it feel? Let's fucking go. Cheers to Car. Cheers to the freaks for waiting this long. It's, uh, yeah, it's... Four and a half years in, in however long in, and uh, we've got a producer. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and we're also on a. You guys are on a thirty-three second delay. We're in the future, and you guys are behind us. Just to let you no. know. Okay, you're you're not. You just broke the fourth wall. All right, so I gotta let him know. Like like Neil just asked, what kind of cigar? I already answered the question. We're living in the future. Yes, we are. You know, there's no you, there's no governance rights. You get nothing out of. Miami coin, except promise of future cash flow of stacks, which gives you a promise of future cash flow of Bitcoin. Yeah. So it does sound like one of those Russian dolls that you were right? describing earlier. It's pretty crazy when you wrap your head around it. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to get, I mean, you have. I think ma- people should stay humble in stack sets. To be clear, this is not a, I'm not pitching you stacks. I just think like you're going to see New York coin happen. Then like we're probably going to have, you know, like Kansas City coin or some shit. Like there'll be like a challenger city that decides they want to compete at the same time. And they're going to start all popping up and people have no idea what the fuck's going on. I saw so much confusion on Twitter today that I felt like it was an important discussion to have. Yeah, well, I appreciate you doing the research. And like, that begs the question, like, should we just expect all this? Like, And is Bitcoin yes. enabling this or are they just like leveraging Bitcoin's brand? <laughs> like, because the, the stacks is- holders can just produce... Okay, well, keep looking, Car. If you can find it, let us know. Um, that's how. That's how. When when Joe when Joe interacts with the producer, that's what he does. He says, you know, go look for it, and then we just continue our conversation. We found our Jamie. Cars are Jamie. Car. We we have to figure out. We have to get used to that. that what is as Joe, a concept? Look at this up, Jamie. What's what's the uh, what's the pull it up? Pull it up. He Jamie. says he says Google that, Jamie, pull. and then uh, or something like that. We'll, uh, but uh, Matt wants me to use DuckDuckGo, which is no. You, I mean, <laughs> Sorry, if you use, saying, you're gonna have to say DuckDuck. You have to say DuckDuck that car. DuckDuck that. Just find it. Um, yeah. So Bitmain announced a new miner. I'm so fucking bullish on this setup. Um, I mean, I think carbon dioxide pipelines are a stupid fucking idea, dude. They're talking about putting masks on cows to catch their burping. Like acting like yeah. that's gonna do anything. Fuck these people. I mean, 
I mean, I think someone uh... and I like I like I was like questionable about the Ice Age farm. Like, is this really happening today at KNC Cattle Ranch? I asked Cole, the owner of that ranch, I was like, is this happening? He's like, yes, it's happening, and it's Look, fucking. I think scary. Yeah, quasi, kind of quasi. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way developers describe it is like sea lightning is way more performative. Um, much it's just cleaner. better. Yeah, it just seems better. Go check out Sea Lightning Freaks. After you close all your channels, after you <laughs> consider reopening them in Sea Lightning. Uh, like that is that is their. Like I love Bitfinex in terms of just being the honey Psychic. badger of exchanges, and yes. they they just constantly fight. Um, but like, I wonder if there's like a legitimacy issue. I mean, El Salvador's government is already kind of questionable on the world stage. Then you mix in liquid tether. And like the bond is using Tether as well on the back end. And so Liquid Tether, Bitfinex, Bitcoin all mixed together. I wonder if they'll actually hit their hit their level. I mean, the last thing is, I mean, Samson gets up on stage and he basically says, uh, this is the model and we want a lot of Bitcoin bonds to follow suit. And to me, that reminds me of like everything ETH did. Like ETH has like, Ethereum stakeholders have like all these constant ploys to make the market less liquid to pump the price. Like they always like, the first one was the DAO, then yep. there was ICOs, now yep. they're burning mining fees, ultrasound money. Like they always have this bullshit, like, but the, the common denominator is let's reduce the liquidity. So Samson's like alluding to, we're going to have hundreds of Bitcoin bonds and they're all going to take $500 million worth of Bitcoin off the market. And you better buy some Bitcoin now, otherwise the price is going to pump. And because the price pumped, it's good to buy the bonds. And because it's good to buy the bonds, the price pumps, so you should buy more bonds. And it's like this circular, you know, number go up uh, inducement kind of thing. And to me, that feels very shitcoin. I agree uh, in that context. Right, and there's probably uh, a an angle from Samson and Blockstream too. It was like this is the model moving forward, where like they probably want people to do it on Liquid and Bitfinex and all that stuff. But that doesn't preclude like some like municipality or something doing a bond offering and taking portions of the funds. Doesn't have to be five hundred million dollars; could be a smaller percentage of the, the overall offering to buy Bitcoin from somebody like Nidig or like an Unchained Capital or something like that. Um, and do collaborative custody. I hope they would do that, but they probably would like go for like a Nidig or Coinbase or something like that. Uh, and there's, there's, I mean, is if, Bukele doing collaborative custody? I doubt it. Uh, maybe he's just like holding it all in his blue wallet. I don't know. Let me, let me, let me get to the point. The point I'm trying to make is like, I think there is an economic argument to be made for bond issuers, particularly. Uh, people that have issued bonds in the past that aren't performing as well and they're, they're looking to uh, create a better cre credit score, if you will, <coughs> or have, have better uh, performing debt facilities. Like, again, if it is a risk, if you're buying Bitcoin, holding it as a bond issuer, uh, it does have to go up. But like, I mean, I think we would agree that we think Bitcoin's going to go up over the course in the next five, 10 years, and depending on the duration of the bond, like it could be a very smart idea for um, issuers to, to get the funds needed to do whatever they want to do with that debt um, and then have this cushion in Bitcoin that they purchase to, if they're 
unsuccessful in uh, executing on the back end of what they actually tried to accomplish. At least they have the failsafe uh, in the Bitcoin on on that bond balance sheet. I don't even know if you could like within the bond um, <laughs> to to make bondholders whole at the end of the day. The very and, and this would be like a very unique opportunity that is specific to this particular point in Bitcoin's monetization path. Like this isn't going to be in the perpetuity. Maybe it will be, but like the the returns will be much more compressed as, as Bitcoin volatility suppresses and the, the value stabilizes relative to where it is today. Yeah. Um, I like I the think- public miners. Like the public miners, it should be interesting what happens in the bear cycle. Agreed. Agreed. It honestly feels like I'm one of the few people in Bitcoin right now, and the. But why? Like, like, what's what's bad about it? Like, if you're upfront with it, you're like, "Hey, we're gonna issue this bond, raise some debt to do something." Yeah, as long as you're transparent about it, there's no. I mean, everyone can do whatever the fuck they want to do, right? Yeah, I actually I think it makes Uh, sense. I think it's a. It's a logical move if you think Bitcoin's going to appreciate in value. Well, look, as a borrower, if you're El Salvador and someone will give you money at 6% to buy $500 million worth of Bitcoin, it is an obvious decision. Like, yes, let me do that. But... It's a little bit different if you look at it from blockchain's perspective, putting their name on this thing, deciding that this wants to be their priority. This is going to be the thing that they you know, put forward. They're going to send their COO down there, one of the founding members of Blockstream, Samson, down there to, to get on stage with this government figure in El Salvador to present this bond to the world with Bitfinex. Uh, they made that decision. That's on them. You know, Bitcoin is... For everybody, it's for enemies. Anyone can use it. It doesn't fucking matter. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be issuing these things. I'm just saying that it will not outperform Bitcoin. It will, uh, it feels very shitcoiny. And I don't they're think very it's tied up with Tether and Bitfinex. So you it, add that additional risk. I don't think it's shitcoiny. I don't think. And I wonder how much liquid actually will detract from the interest in the product. I don't think it's shitcoiny. Going through a normal process. Yeah, I don't think it's shitcoiny. Especially if you're clear, they're going to use X amount of proceeds to buy Bitcoin, X amount of the cash proceeds to to do something specific. As long as they're actually following through with the deployment of the infrastructure build out part of the bond and it's not shit corny they're gonna need the shit corny part the shit corny part is when samson says in his projections that bitcoin is going to be we'll go through the scenario that bitcoin's a million dollars in four years yeah this is what the return is and there's going to be tens and hundreds of other bonds that are similarly set up that way and it creates a nice feedback loop to increase the price. That's the shitcoiny part. Well, I mean, shitcoiny. Uh, if you say that's like the driving factor of price going up, certainly a factor. But there's going to be stuff going on in parallel to that that, that would uh would help. I do believe it'll outperform well. most bonds, if yes. not all bonds. Yeah. Um, just because they're holding Bitcoin, 
And because their coupon is way higher than most bonds. Yeah. So maybe that's how they draw people in to get it subscribed. But yeah. I don't think this boosts liquid adoption. I don't think this, you know, I like I We, me and Marty just read a comment together because Carr put it up and it was long. <laughs> That's why we got quiet. Um, someone was saying uh, Narwhal the U.S. is tacos. sanctioning Honduras over election fraud. What we have on the list, I mean, the U.S. says this is unrelated, but this week they said that they paused relations with El Salvador because of differing... It's just like the relationship's not working out. Yeah, this is an interesting topic. And so and like, they this didn't is... bring up Bitcoin City or Bitcoin bonds. So this it's is, related. You know, it's that like the U S came out and the, uh, what is it? The diplomat for El Salvador. Is that what you call him? The ambassador? The ambassador. There we go. The ambassador El Salvador came out, said that El Salvador, uh, isn't cooperating in negotiations or showing any interest in, <laughs> uh, having an ongoing conversation with the U S about what's going on. Uh, and then the IMF came out too and sent them a strong warning saying they need to increase their regulations and really think about uh, the the gravity of, of diving into Bitcoin as, as heavily as they are. It almost as a veiled threat. I don't even think it was a veiled threat. I think it was an overt threat. And that's something I want to talk about, the IMF. Actually, I'm writing about it in the bent today and I've been watching some YouTube videos on how the IMF started. So the IMF and the World Bank were created uh, at Bretton Woods in New Hampshire after World War II. Um, obviously, Europe was decimated. Many parts of the world were decimated after one of the bloodiest wars in human history. And there was a lot of rebuilding needed to be done. So the world's leaders met at Bretton Woods, basically changed the monetary global monetary system, made the U.S. dollar the reserve currency of the world, created the World Bank and the IMF. The IMF was... Uh, was created specifically for short-term loan loans, the World Bank for more longer-term loans. Uh, and after the reconstruction of, of Europe and all the war-torn cities after World War II, the IMF shifted from investing in uh, an infrastructure uh, build back toward uh, emerging economy investments. And But what you find over the course of decades that the IMF has essentially pillaged third-world countries, uh, bloating them up with debt, and making them do things that they probably otherwise wouldn't do if they weren't beholden to to the IMF loans. And so the IMF is an unelected uh, in, in supranational banking entity. Uh, nobody voted for it. Nobody asked for it. And you basically had a bunch of leaders meet at Bretton Woods in New Hampshire in uh, the late 1940s and decide this was a thing and that we're going to have to deal with it. And now it's gotten to a point in 2021 where these people think the IMF thinks they can just tell people what to do, sovereign nations, what to do more importantly. And it's pretty disgusting that uh, they're threatening El Salvador and they, have, they should not have any authority over anybody, especially a sovereign nation. Uh, the IMF can fuck off. Like, no, it's, 100%. It's an I mean, evil I, organization. And I, like, I, 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 I support the idea of these countries, specifically Latin American countries, who have been under the nose of America for a long fucking time um, to raise funds on their own, to use a monetary system that's independent in the United States, 100%. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, it's just hard. Because, it's hard, right? Because you don't want to... Here's, I, I think I can explain the angst that I can see in your, your body language and voice right now. It's like... Uh, 
Bitcoin's like, don't trust verify. Like what's going on in El Salvador is cool, but it's also like you have President Bukele. It's like, what the hell is he doing? Like, is he, is he trying to just make a name for himself? Is like, it's a bit of a hairy situation because like, obviously- Marty, you're my fucking brother. If you asked to borrow money, like a reasonable amount of money, I would lend it to you. Thank you. But if you told me you were putting half of it into Bitcoin, I might not lend it to you. I would, I would, I would, I would really question why you needed the money in the first place. I would, I like, I, but I definitely wouldn't give it to El Salvador. Well, you like, can make I, an argument. So the again, I'll be the the, the steel man uh, on this particular argument. Like you can make the argument that El Salvador is afraid uh, that they're not going to be allowed to issue. Uh, the type of bonds that they have been in the past due to the positioning of the U.S. and uh, supranational unelected uh, officials like the IMF. Um, what's going on? Are you okay? Yeah, Matt's, it got dark here. Let me, I'm going to go turn on lights. Matt's lights. Car, go to, yeah, go to Marty. What's up, freaks? This is, what are you thinking about this light? I got my MacBook, some Macallan. Well, I got, I bought a nice ashtray today. I got my stogie, my beer, my water, my phone. It feels good out here. It's feeling good. But again, I guess going back to what I was trying to say, El Salvador, uh, you could see it like, yes, I agree with Matt. If I were going to loan somebody money uh, and they were like, I want to use half of it to buy Bitcoin. I'm like, ah, I don't know how I feel about that. But in this particular scenario, it's you know, different. A personal loan from me or Matt to myself is different than a bond offering at, at the national stage, I would argue. It's a different context, more nuance. Um, Maller shouldn't give the IMF the time of day. No, he shouldn't. Um, and and it's with El Salvador specifically, again, I could see them having trouble raising capital through debt markets and the traditional financial system due to the, the ire they're receiving from the United States and the IMF right now. So maybe the Bitcoin play is, is the, the most risk averse play they can make given the cards they've been dealt um, potentially. Did you pick that up? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really, I, I, I respect that everyone wants to accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible, Bukele and as well. And, uh, I, I respect that there's there's more appetite among people looking to buy bonds to have some kind of Bitcoin exposure that they couldn't get otherwise. And that definitely juices the the bond offering. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said yesterday in the band. Like maybe the And I'm torn on Jack speaking at IMF, but uh he has a brother and uh he speaks really well and I respect whatever decision he wants to make on that. Yeah, let's see if he um, let's see if he just trolls him. I, I wouldn't hold I wouldn't hold that out of the realm of possibility. Maybe he goes there to tell them that they're fucking evil. Let's go. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out hope for that. Maybe he just goes there and says you are obsolete. You're 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 worthless. Jack, go into the history of the IMF. Bretton Woods. Everybody just met in New Hampshire. It was like, yeah. It's like New Hampshire is a good place to meet, though. 
It is. There's like 200 of us here. Let's just change the global monetary system. U.S. dollar. <laughs> you're the reserve currency now. World Bank, IMF, you exist now. Like, yeah, fuck the IMF, man. Yeah. And the World Bank. Yeah. Sorry, Nick Carter. Um, I, do, I mean, I don't think you have to apologize to Nick. Yeah. Even though his dad works for the IMF. Or World Bank. There's a World Bank? Mm-hmm. I think we lost Matt. What's going on on Matt's side of things? Did we lose him? Are no, I'm here. Okay. Are you winning, son? Yes, pa. Yes, father-in-law. I'm winning. I'm wearing a cowboy hat, smoking a stogie, talking Bitcoin. The world's changing in front of us. It's a beautiful thing. We're here reporting it. Are we reporters? Are we journalists? No. Car saying yes. I don't think so. Marty, you're you're like a Bob Dylan, Marty. A Bob Dylan. I don't know. Just don't, don't give know. fucking stay <laughs> home, Marty. Fuck you, car. Thousand three hundred twenty-four point eight eight bitcoins, or two hundred. Dude, okay, wait, 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 wait. We have Ty here. There's yeah. there's no such thing as bitcoins. No, no, it's Bitcoin. No, the there's no such thing as Bitcoin. There's UTXOs and there's the stats. no coins. The coins don't exist. You have UTXOs, and every time a UTXO gets transacted, it gets basically smelted, and new UTXOs are created. There's no such thing as a coin. A coin doesn't exist. Duh. Then a Bitcoin doesn't <laughs> exist too. Like your your argument, big, your semantic argument right now is going to fail flat on its face because <laughs> if I'm wrong, you're wrong too in this case. No, no, no. Because Bitcoin, the network, right, yes. and then you have Bitcoin, the currency. Yes. But there's no coins. You have the U.S. dollar reserve system, the network, and then you have U.S. dollar. But there are literally dollars. Like, I have dollars in my pocket right now. Like, there are dollar fucking bills, you know? <laughs> but there's no Bitcoins. Matt is like short, Matt is short right Bitcoin. There. Matt is short Bitcoin is as evidenced by that cash <laughs> on the table. He's not all in. He's not Get all in. Get on zero, you <laughs> piece of shit. Cat. <laughs> cash app is... I have Cash App. Cash is great for privacy. It is. I mean, I have my wallet somewhere here. I've got cash too. Uh, Austin, Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. They give you $100 bills at the ATM. I think it happened in New York. I don't know if that was... Odell carries shit coins. <laughs> it's Bitcoins, freaks. Uh, the point... It makes no sense, though. There's no coins. I'm glad Ty agrees with me. I agree. <clears throat> We're not going to spend too much time debating this. I'm right. You started it. The in-person's RHR hit different. They do. I miss this. Yeah. Why didn't you move to Austin? Why aren't you moving to Austin? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, ask him, is it a competition, though? We were debating. Is it a competition between Nashville and Austin? No. Uh, Yassine's asking if it's a competition between Nashville and Austin. No. It's not. It's not a competition. There is no competition. It's a sister. <sighs> Marty doesn't look convinced. <laughs> yeah. You got something to say? Marty, it's not a competition. No, we need. We need. I agree. We need parallel citadels. Monasteries, yeah. if you will. Who are we going to trade with? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who are we going to trade with? That's what Cara is asking. Yeah. Yeah. We'll give you. We got cows. They have cows too. It's a very, like, there's not much to trade between. Yo, Cara, grab Texas. this other mic over here. They have here. I'll get. They, uh, but Tennessee has cows up north. Big gun states as well. What are we going to trade? I love this. This is just like a party episode. This is fucking great. We've <laughs> never had an episode like this before. No. Yeah. yeah. We're talking well, about what do you guys missing- have? Look, I look, I I intend to I intend to visit you and Car and all the other Bitcoiners and Austin all the time. Well, we have 
Bitcoin developers. Developers. Ooh. We can trade you some Bitcoin developers. No, developers stay in Austin. <laughs> you guys, you guys can build the the culture up here. The developers are staying in Austin. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll make one-off trades every once in a while, but we need the intellectual capital. I mean, you want them in Texas too. Like, yes, Tennessee is very free state, but it's very. It's not cool. a competition, Marty. Uh, why? Why so is. threatened? Yeah. I'm not threatened. Am I threatened? Am I projecting right now? You're blushing. Now I got to do. He something. is blushing a little bit, but it's, the, it's the whiskey. It's yeah. the red. It's, it's the, the whiskey, and I'm wearing this LL Bean. Marty, Marty Bean always if you gets wanna, the whiskey cheeks. LL Bean, if you want to sponsor the pod, I love your, I love your merch. But you um, have to accept Bitcoin first and can, hold it on your balance sheet. You Probably make that happen. Just interesting. It, this always happens. This happens like almost every bull market. This is why, like in, we were talking about before we hit record, but like there's so many like bullish signals going on, like. Uh, newsletter, open rates going up, podcast downloads going up, uh, shit coiners emailing me to come on the podcast. Like these are uh, historically like pre bull market, like leading indicators for the like, TFTC crowd. We literally had, we literally had the stellar team in front of Congress, you know, dragging Bitcoin through the mud saying it was uh, bad for the environment though. and that proof of work is bad for the environment and that stellar is is the solution there that proof of stake is this i don't even is stellar stellar's not even really proof of stake is it it's got like a weird validator model um just like permissioned validators anyway yeah. but but the point is is like that is toxic what is toxic is taking your pre-mine and like dumping it on retail um are there bitcoiners that are you know that, that that will just personally attack people. Yeah, sure. You, but I, I I think if you take a certain Bitcoiner and say that, and and then just say that all Bitcoiners are like that, then you're the toxic one. Yeah, like you're part of that issue. It's low effort, and you've done a good job of calling this out in the past. Like the low effort, like clout chasers, quote unquote Bitcoin maximalists on Twitter, just like doing it to get aroused and get attention, versus like just stay true. Like we have the moral and logical high ground. Like, you don't I'll, need- I'll say something from an architect. Uh, so I think that this is like a really interesting question, especially as like someone who is so philosophically and ideologically aligned with Bitcoin. And as like a sort of investor asset manager, I think there's no current or future use case for me that is as exciting as an uninflatable, uncensorable sovereign money. With that being said, it's so interesting to see some of the like interest beyond Bitcoin that at least we're getting on a daily basis. And I think it's it's almost like a an apples to oranges comparison where Bitcoin's conservatism is actually like its primary value proposition in like a hyper progressive world that is focused on extremely you know, advanced technology. It's like Bitcoin survives because it's extremely principled and has ethos and is, you know, not, is anti-VC. Like we like to internally at ARC say like, the reason why A16Z is shilling POS and saying Bitcoin is bad for the energy, for the environment is because they can't make massive returns on Bitcoin. And that's something that's like extremely compelling as a, as a holder and as a retail investor. Uh, and, and, and so it's like, it's, it, it's a non-starter that Bitcoin is competing in a league of its own. I like, and I follow a lot of what you're talking about, Marty, it's, it's won the energy game. And a lot of people don't realize that, uh, 
where, where I'm having trouble like reconciling even, even my own thoughts and my own investment approach is that there is still a ton of mind share that's being captured by things outside of Bitcoin. Yeah. We had a discussion about this what, like we one did. or two months ago. Yeah, right? we did. Yeah. We did. We, we, we had this discussion where, where it's like, it's hard to dismiss a lot of the things that are going on outside of Bitcoin. And it's not to say that it's a replacement to the monetary revolution that Bitcoin is capturing. And it's not to say that there is going to be a legitimate competitor to becoming a global based money like Bitcoin is positioned, but there is mindshare. And it's like innovative in, in what it's doing. And, it, and in a way that like, whereas Bitcoin needs to be conservative to survive, I think when you're seeing with like this whole ETH and Solana and all these like smart <laughs> I, contract platforms. I love that knife yeah, fight that's going on right it's now. It's the exact opposite where they're like, <laughs> they have to compromise some of their ethos and censorship resistant properties and decentralization because what they're competing on is like better, faster, cheaper. Bitcoin doesn't want to be better, faster, cheaper, and it shouldn't be. And so it's like, they're kind of stuck in a very, very hard, like, I don't know what the saying is, the rock in a hard place or whatever. That's the saying. Okay, good. <laughs> but, but it's like, how do you innovate at the pace of like centralized, centralized status quo? Well, I guess yeah. this is what I always fall back on. Like, not how do you innovate, but at what pace do you need to innovate? Like, I'm a big believer and there's like an order of operations to right, all this. Right, like, right. You need to sound money. You need it to be sufficiently distributed. You need layers on top of that. And that's always been my thesis and my approach to how we get all that mind share to come to Bitcoin. It's like, it's going to come eventually. This is my view. Yeah. Uh, but we just need the order of operations to play out. But how, how does it come if you get so much pushback from what's being so this defined is, or labeled as the maximalist? So this, when, yeah. When so this is a good is like point. A, he's, a, he's a Bitcoiner. Like he's, yeah. uh, I, I actually met him before he launched the Stacks token. I think like Blockstacks, Blockstack actually existed. Yeah. Bef without stacks. And they were able to create like a, a really interesting stack that didn't rely on a, like a, a token. Uh, well, yeah, well, I, I, I'm just curious on your take of how do you reconcile that we're hyper conservative because we need to be and we're going to welcome experimentation and we're effect effectively going to assume, you know, all the properties that these other uh, platforms are are trying to take lead on. Yeah, well, again, it goes back to the order of operation. I think Matt does a good job of, like, so there is a temperance, I believe. The, the, I'll just speak for myself. Like, the temperance with which I approach this, these types of arguments is like, hey, like, I, I recognize all this is going on. And I, I do think, I mean, it's like... It's just they're not competing. They're competing on two different axes, is my point. Well, like, then, like, you, get, then you get back to, like, the economic yeah. argument, like, like, why do these things have, like, you, it's, it's the utility token argument. It's like, I, I agree. MV does not I, I, I agree, but PQ. there's, there's, there's so much more going on. I, I, I here, here's my, my general take. If you're, if you're a shit coiner that's coming to me and shilling your shit coin because you don't like Bitcoin, I, I can't take you seriously. It's like, you kind of first need to understand like what Bitcoin's value proposition Sweet. is before you explore mic. things beyond. Uh, but I think it's, you can't have the cake and eat it too, where you pride yourself on how conservative Bitcoin is and then assume it's going to create sort of as much interest in the applications beyond just being a base money. I, yeah. Okay, Yassin, take this mic. Matt, like, I think you do a good job of... Wait, wait, I, I just want to jump in here real quick. Okay. Yeah, I believe I'm 
to me, I'm, I'm, I'm pro free market. I like the idea of free market. I like, I think the idea of Bitcoin is super cool that we have, <laughs> we have a mic for Matt's bottle. It's the most important mic. Anyway, I, I think it's important that, that Bitcoin ended up the, this, this ecosystem that Bitcoin created the birth of Bitcoin created is this idea of permissionless innovation. Anyone can fork Bitcoin. Anyone can launch their own network. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Um, it's code. It's open source code. Uh, that is really fucking cool. And there's inherently a skin in the game. So you can trade these networks against each other, whatever their tokens are against each other. And if you win, you win. If you get wrecked, you get wrecked. And I think everyone has the right to get wrecked. And when they do get wrecked, uh, they should take personal responsibility and realize that they got themselves wrecked. With all that said, um, in this in the specific situation of stacks, yeah, yeah. If we're going to talk about stacks, and we were yeah. talking about this yeah. earlier, and I'm going to say it again because now yeah. we're on fucking air and we were talking about it. <laughs> is sorry, Matt. Is they intentionally conflate the idea of mining with this idea of sending Bitcoin to these tokens? They they intentionally took the Bitcoin meme of stacking and now like stacking sats is using their pre-mined token to stake They're branding They took that from you, dude. They they put, they put, well, I would like to, yeah, I mean, I think stacking sats was a community thing. Like I think the reason it's a powerful meme is because the community adopted it. It's not because I said it. Stay humble. The- They're co-opting the brand. Yeah, that's probably what it is. And they it's conflated, right? And and this idea, and the the original distribution of stacks was done in a way uh, that was very insider, not yeah, open, not permissionless. Well, right. I don't want to focus um, on stacks alone, though. Like, yeah, no, I mean, no, but I'm saying I, that's I, I where this I is coming speak from. On behalf of, like, I can't but speak but there's a lot. But stacks is the new one. Right. All of these things tend to be. Equivalent with ETH. It's 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 the same thing that happened with ETH. ETH just happened in the past generation and Stacks is happening in this generation. That's how I that's how I see it. So, you know, you should disclose trade-offs, you should disclose conflict of interest. Uh, you shouldn't try and intentionally hide it with marketing and messaging. And that's where the, you know, <laughs> that's where the that that that's where the issue to me lies. Um, and I just want, I think people should have all the information in front of them. If they want to gamble on things, if they want to play around with new tools, if they want to do whatever, uh, you know, like, so be it like that. That's what a free market is. Um, I think ultimately the overwhelming majority of people, if they stay humble and stack sats rather than trading these tokens will do better long-term. Like if you're a VC or a hedge fund, yeah, incentives are skewed. No, I mean, you get into the pre-allocation. We're VCs now. No, no, no. But, but I mean, we're Bitcoin only. We're Bitcoin only well, venture fund in Bitcoin companies. By being Bitcoin only, you also have an incentive to just talk Bitcoin. But so, uh, that's true. That's true. But I think historically, historically, if you are retail, if you are retail and you are just uh, accumulating Bitcoin long term, putting work in and accumulating Bitcoin long term, you will probably do better than if you try and gamble on, if you try you and trade. You will definitely do better. Like the, my, even, like, and, uh, mentally, you'll also feel a lot But more my point is, the reason I say probably is because there is a theoretical situation sure. where you, you, you sell the top. You, you like actually trade successfully, right? 99% of people <laughs> will not sell, trade successfully, but there's a scenario where, you know, you trade the top and it's fucking fantastic for you. And there are people that successfully do that. Like they do exist, yeah. but the overwhelming majority don't. Uh, so, you know, that's, 
and 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 we only have so much time. Well, yeah. We only have so much time in this world. So like, where does the focus lie? That's and most the, people don't have enough Bitcoin. This shit's not Everyone going does not. Even Michael Saylor doesn't have enough Bitcoin. I think nobody he has, has enough Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> I, he owns no Bitcoin. I, I, you know, you, you, the focus should be trying to accumulate as many sats as possible. That is, you know, high signal to me. And that's, you know, where my focus I agree. is. So like a perfect example of this, I went to my cousin's wedding uh, two months ago and my second cousin who was telling me why I should buy Shiba is probably not going to uh, sell the top of Shiba. He's probably right. not going to make it. No, he's probably not going to make it. Let and me. then he gets burnt out afterwards. He's like, it's all a scam. And then he like fucking walks away. Exactly. Definitely. And there's def there's massive opportunity costs. And if you, if you just stuck to just Bitcoin, it is a prudent strategy. I, I still think that's independent from the fact that things are still happening outside of Bitcoin, that Bitcoin might not. Right. Uh, but these things are absorb. never going to stop. Like we're not like sure. shit coins will never go away. And there's going to be new ones next cycle, like more innovation or whatever. Yeah. At what point do we say, do we like completely like detether from shit coins? Like, you know, for me, I'm coming to the belief that Bitcoin is, you know, Bitcoin is one is money. Nobody's coming after that role as right. you know that hard money that. role shit coins are products they're like tech products vc tech products who the fuck cares let them do their thing yeah. and you know what we're, we're not here to police adults you know who want to gamble like they can you know buy uh you know they can buy gamestop they can buy eth who the fuck cares we're not here to police them so why don't we spend our time instead of fighting shit coins you know, just uh, doing what we do and promote. I, I have 100% agree with that. That's And that is what I've dedicated like the last two years. Because again, like you've seen, you caught on to it. Like yeah. the energy thing is like the biggest thing that's going on in Bitcoin right now. And that's like where a lot of my efforts gone in the last two years. Is like just get Bitcoin integrated into the energy sector stack. And it's, but, it's game yeah. over. I mean, but that reminds me, like that adds another aspect to it. And I kind of touched on it earlier. I mean... Shitcoin, like, even if even if you're saying okay, so I'm being a little bit toxic by well, calling them shitcoins. Well, you know what? This, so let's say you know what alternative. One second, alternative chains, okay, should not be in the same boat as Bitcoin. It should not be compared to as Bitcoin. And so we're focused on Bitcoin. People, other people can be focused on whatever the fuck they want. If they want to collect, you know, JPEGs. Hello Kitty dolls or whatever, yeah. it's fine with me. If they want to. Uh, work on, on on trading ownership of baseball cards. That's fine with me. If they want to trade stocks in a in a more efficient manner, that's fine with me. But the problem is those altcoin promoters will then come out and say, this is Bitcoin 2.0. This is better than Bitcoin. That, that Bitcoin is slow. Yeah. Bitcoin that, isn't efficient. Bitcoin is, is a dinosaur. That I stand And you will make more against. money if you come and Give me your Bitcoin, which I am going to hold, by the way. Like, Justin's son has a shit ton of Bitcoin. Look at right. EOS. The EOS, EOS has a shit ton of Bitcoin. Four billion of Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And, that, yeah. and that's, what, that's what goes wrong with all of the things outside of Bitcoin, is that they're also comparing themselves to Bitcoin when they're positioning their own project. But how much are they doing that now? Like, I don't hear we're the next Bitcoin that much, you know, 2021. Oh, super, or what is it? Ultrasound money? What the fuck? Yeah, but those yeah. are like, that's like five, <laughs> like, yeah, ETH card like like maximalists. But I think fun fundamentally, there is a an acknowledgement that they're competing on two different paths. Well, now they're all like, and, we're the next ETH. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's why I love the Solana ETH right. life fight. Like, it's so, it's so interesting. It, but yeah, I mean that that what we see now is mostly it's the next ETH. 
But I will say that the stacks concept is an interesting evolution of that strategy where instead of saying we're the next Bitcoin, we're built on top of Bitcoin and our consensus mechanism is better than proof of work or our, you know. Yeah, see, and keep the mic, dude. We're fucking vibing right now. This is, I mean, I love that we're having this conversation. Yeah, no, I think it's, impor- it's, it's important because I... I because we I, had this conversation a month ago. Like, yeah, we did. Are, there, there's there's just a, a lot of mind share. I I don't take anyone who doesn't understand Bitcoin seriously if they're talking another crypto book. Like, and that's the fundamental. If you understand the energy play that Bitcoin is in, if you understand that it is conservative by design, if you understand that it's a monetary and not a software revolution, I'll listen to what you have to say. I think the problem is that the majority of people are, are looking at this as like, Bitcoin is obsolete. Bitcoin is boring. You know, it, it is a failure of imagination to think that we're not going to have anything beyond just sound money. And I, I push back heavily against that. And it goes back to just where I am philosophically. Well, that's tech product mindset. Right, well, exactly. It's so tech product mindset. Exactly. Product. So, so that's the point I'm trying, like yeah. I want to make right now is like, this is a monetary re- revolution over a tech revolution. It certainly is a tech revolution with the combination of uh, variables that Satoshi put together. With proof of work, difficulty adjustment, distributed systems, stuff like that. But it is at the end of the day that tech revolution enables a bigger monetary revolution. And for me, coming from an economics background and really digging into Austrian economics, like what really irks me about like the shitcoin world is like the token stuff. Again, the utility token, like everything's going to be priced in Bitcoin. Like why? Do you need to tokenize everything and have like well a with free stacks float? you need the token exactly. Well, I, like I, I, why I mean, do you need no that? no with stacks you need the token. Yeah. No, but like the way Stacks works, you need the token. <laughs> the token needs to exist. Are, My issue with that, Stacks is more the distri- I, distribution of the original token. You can't do Stacks with Sats. Is my point. Why? Like, but again, going back to order While of operation. being super critical of Stacks, I just want to make but clear go, this point. Like, there are some situations where why do you need the token? Going back to order of operations, though, like, why can't you have a token on a second, third layer eventually well, like with where stacks, that is possible? Again, like, I think we're just Stacks, like, you're literally trying to incentivize hashing into the Bitcoin blockchain, and you need another token besides Bitcoin to incentivize that. Yeah. And that is the Stacks token. The problem with that, to me, the biggest problem to that, to me, is that it was... Uh, private sales uh, to closely held investors, and then ICOs happened. They were, like got very excited that they had like the first regulated ICO, which is like to me, it's, like, I like I like look back with nostalgia to the unregulated ICOs. Like at least those remember, were like permissionless without KYC. Remember like, fair are, proof of work launches, like like fair proof of work launches, which like in, two, in 2013 were like oh. But no, what, what you could do is it's you could fork shit. you could fork stacks, you could fork stacks, same exact tech, free and open source software, fork stacks, instead of the stacks token being held by privately held individuals, having the founder uh, who wants to argue in bad faith on Twitter, holding 8% of all stacks supply and getting 8% of all new Bitcoin that are coming into the stacks ecosystem. You could do that with a snapshot of the Bitcoin UTXO set. If you own however much Bitcoin at that time, you get that much Stacks 2.0 token. And then you can do the same exact thing they're doing. You can do all the expressive smart contracts that they're doing that are Ethereum style. You can do that with a snapshot of the ledger that dictates the global wealth of the world, which is Bitcoin. You could do that, but they wouldn't make the money. Exactly. That's the point. You 
You're much more eloquent than I am. But you need like, the token, <laughs> is my yeah, point. Exactly. Do you yeah. need the token? Like you need the token, but you can use Bitcoin as the snapshot for the token. Yeah. To do a fairer distribution of the of of the token to begin with. Yeah. God, we're getting down the rabbit hole here. This is a rabbit hole recap. But it, like I think. No, I think. That, I mean. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've had uh, Udi going on his rant, like, oh, you're going like, uh, Was Udi on? Oh, you said his name. Yeah. Udi verse. He said three times. No, he wasn't on, but like. Udi, Udi, Udi. All right. We're rambling. I love you, Marty. I love you, Carr. I love you, Freaks. I love you, too, Matt. Love you, too, Marty. Care about about your people. Stay on with Stacks I love all y'all. Matt, Carr, Freaks, haters, lovers. People want to destroy Bitcoin. People want to make it happen. I love you all. Love is what's going to get us through these dark times. Peace and love, freaks.